the Pilot TV podcast this week, we are juggling parenting and hospital shifts with Parminder Nagra in Maternal on ITV, investigating a murder with Harry Treadaway in Chemistry of Death on Paramount+, and finally getting to see Sky's The Last of Us, which I absolutely did not see in its entirety last year. Plus, we are joined on the show by Parminder Nagra to talk all things maternal, and as well as that, Kumail Nanjiani joins us to discuss last episode's show of the week, Welcome to Chippendales. I'm James Dyer, and welcome to the Pilot TV Podcast, your weekly guide to every show that matters, and a podcast that would like to offer a heartfelt thanks to each and every one of you who subscribe to Pilot Plus. Over the past week, it is hugely appreciated, and we hope you enjoyed the first episode of Pilot Plus, which dropped last Thursday. You will hear a little bit more about what's on this week's Pilot Plus uh, a little later on, but there are a few other treats coming very soon for Pilot Plus subscribers I do want to flag. Uh, Firstly, a couple of the panels from the Live 200 show last year will be made available, finally, on there, including the excellent storytelling masterclass from Sarah Phelps, Joe Barton, Sophie Petzl, and Jack Rook. So do do keep an eye out for those. Plus, we will be talking about The Last of Us in great detail later on, but you'll be pleased to hear there are not one but two Last of Us spoiler specials incoming on there for you as well, which I think you'll agree is well worth a paltry $1.99 a month. Sign up now at empireonline.com slash pilottv. But let us get into that a little bit later as well. So in the meantime, I am, of course, joined by my two co-pilots. No. <laughs> See, actually, I've stolen Ba-dum-bum. that. I've stolen that because mm. a lot of people, obviously, we, we said, what are we going to call people yeah. who subscribe to Pilot Plus? And they suggested... Co-pilots was the most obvious one. Mm. It feels a bit first-based. I think we need something different. But they also suggested some very interesting ones for Kay's fan base, mm. which I wonder whether we'll probably get into maybe in greater detail on Pilot Plus. But some the, of them perhaps too rude for this. Some of them were quite this, rude. Uh, yeah, some of them yeah, were quite rude. Friendly podcast. Yeah, we'll we'll see we'll see how that goes. Yeah. But anyway, Kay Ribeiro, Boyd Hilton, you're both here. How are you? Hello. Yeah, good. Yeah, I'm I'm excited about your gratuitous boasting about the Last of Us. Now finally we can get that out of the way. <laughs> I mean, what's the point of saying that, even, Kay? What do you think? You know, well, he's so, I've seen, I saw it last year. It's literally like a small child. <laughs> Do you know what it? It should have been accompanied with na 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 na. Yeah, like I know. Yeah. I'm oh, simply acknowledging Absolutely the fact that I ridiculous. had seen it last year, but wasn't able to say I'd seen it last year. So yeah. was pretending I hadn't seen it last year, but not really trying no. very hard. I think the amount of tension about whether you're going to like The Last of Us or not <laughs> in your review in this episode is probably slightly lacking. Is all no. I'd say. I don't know what you mean. Especially if you've read his review. In yeah. Empire. He also, by the way, which he hasn't mentioned yet, went to the screening this week. I did last right, night. Last yeah. night at the IMAX was it? Yeah. Yeah. Like so to Jimmy and you must you probably watched it again. How many times have you seen it? No, I've question. seen it all the way through and then obviously I watched the first episode again. Last uh, only night. twice and then oh no that's not true because I did the interviews You're with right, Neil Druckmann yeah. and Craig Mason last year and I think I watched the first three for that yet so. you haven't seen for example The Traitors <laughs> exactly. unbelievable it's funny funny yeah. about Kay. Oh, we'll get yeah. to that news so. yeah. oh, will we though yeah. uh, no spoilers we will yes. I know I, do you know what I even know what this news is oh, Is really? the BBC bought the rights to oh. Traitors oh, US isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> hey, I'm, my news I am the traitor Furious. I have yeah, ruined the news you've literally Kay's news has now disappeared he's the bloody traitor here sorry about that you'd be good in Traitors actually would I no I you wouldn't. Would. Everyone would take one look at me and go, traitor. No, no. no you would be no, good. No, you would be yeah. good, actually. You think? Yeah. You should, you should yeah. apply to well, because, you, could because win, you can win like 100 grand. Is it because, because I wouldn't be the traitor, but everyone would think I was pretty, the traitor? Yeah, exactly. Okay. You've got a good yeah. poker face. Yeah, I think you'd be you like, I might, I might apply for you. <laughs> You're going to suggest me. But the thing Shall is, and by the way, I mean, I kind of know Claudia. I could literally get in touch with the producer. Yeah. Could say, you? Yeah. Is this, what would this involve? Would this involve me going to a castle somewhere? Yes, in Scotland. Mm. And what do I do there? You have to do various tasks, which vary between, you know, like 
editing podcasts. Yeah, yeah, exactly. yeah editing podcasts, <laughs> yeah, interviewing famous actors, <laughs> watching Expanse. Right, okay, I can no, do these things. Um, they're quite physical, mental challenges. Actually, yeah, how would you do with physical challenges? Yeah. I'm well, not sure about that. It's, it's really? What yeah. sort of physical challenge? There's Pushing like, stuff up hills. Find, like, mysterious items in a house and you have to go through a, 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 a oh, river. Oh, he'd be all right at that. Yeah, he'd be all right stuff that, I mean, they're all easily as physically capable as some of the people on that show. Right. Put it that way. And then, but more, most importantly, you then, you all sit down in a big round table. I'm just describing the, the whole okay. way no, it works. Okay, this is good. And there's like, say, three quotes bad people right. among the whole the traitors the 22 or whatever it was to mm-hmm. start with yeah. three traitors among the three or four traitors a handful right. among the general populace of the of the contestants and, and everyone has to vote one out each week and it's all about can you maintain a kind of image of honesty even the fact that you're playing this game and you are a traitor it's that bit of it I think you'd be good but at because ha- you're a gamer and you have a very analytical a brain and you're quite nerdy it's quite nerd friendly <laughs> and so I think you'd be good but yeah. have we not already established on this podcast that I'm near pathologically honest so that, I would struggle with that bit no but James that's with like a hundred and whatever thousand pounds oh I'd lie I'd yeah, lie exactly. like a you're mofo path- you're yeah. honest in real life but when you, you play games <laughs> you I could, I could, yeah yeah player, I could fake it I could totally fake it so basically the deal is either you watch it or you're on it right yeah this is my there's a hundred grand in it, I'll go on it. Yeah, thanks. Fine. You know, oh, that's, that's, uh, that, yeah. they won, didn't they? The, the, but, but, but if I'm going to be like a traitor, like what do I do? Do I have to murder people in their sleep? Like how does that work? Oh, like, you what? murder. You do. That's the that's the Inverse lingo of, of the show. But you're not literally murdering people. You but you effectively yeah c- cancel. It's not like a Hunger Games. You remove someone from the cast. You'd and you're effectively send murdering Boyd them. a note on parchment saying you've been taken out by the traitor. You're yeah. no longer in the game. That's yeah. it. So so like the traitors pick someone to mm-hmm. quote unquote murder. But but do they always succeed in the murder? Yeah, it's up to them. They have the power. That's have, their power. Like is, one per episode yeah, or something. One per episode, roughly. Oh, okay, yeah. okay, yeah. I understand. Yeah. I understand. Yeah. Oh, this is good. I'm, thank you for traitor explaining to me. I think me. you'd enjoy it. Because it's, like, it's more like people, even though it is a reality TV game show kind of thing, it's actually more like a strategic, proper, clever, mm. smart, you know, it's it's more that kind of thing that I think people have really enjoyed about it. A psychological than, study, if yeah, you will. Yeah, it's, it's much more of a challenge and a, and, and a strategic thing uh, okay. than, say, just going on Big Brother or, yeah. you know, Love Island. It's not like that. That's why I think you should... I don't think anyone's hiring I mean, me for Love Island. Listen, I've got to be no. honest with you. I mean, when that, unless Love Island changes its, <laughs> <laughs> changes its casting policy, I don't think any of us are going to be on Love Island. But you could definitely be, you'd be a very good... Entry, a contestant. I'm saying it now. It's, it's better than the Crystal Maze, and you know how I feel about the Crystal Maze. Oh, that's that's that's, so, that's big news. Yeah. All right. So we're signing him up. That's yeah. good. All right. Fine. Up. So I'm going to be on the traitors. Good to yeah. know. And yeah. I'm getting hundred thousand pounds. These are all, all good <laughs> things. I mean, I've got to guarantee you're competing. Uh, for no, that was not my understanding. <laughs> okay. Can but, you cook? Can I cook? So I could get you on a next level chef as well. I can, I can cook <laughs> the shit out of pancakes. Oh, I mean, that but might that not be enough. Broadly Gordon, speaking, it. I don't think Gordon Ramsay's going to be oh impressed by Oh my God, that. I would love to see Gordon Ramsay dealing with James. <laughs> yeah. I have a special pancake pan. Like a special okay, pan don't, just that's for pancakes. Very, We've talked that's you very about Niles Crepe. Frasier and Niles had special crepe pans as really? well. Yeah, okay, well I do. Yeah. I have one. It's because the crepery in Hampstead, which is... <laughs> You've shown too much interest in that, Boyd. Look now. Possibly my favourite place in London, the creperie, the, la creperie du Amstead, if you want to say it in its native French. Uh, they, I, I tried to copy them because they do the best crepes ever, and so that's why I got my little pancake pan thing. Yeah, yeah, it's not the same, nice, nice. but you know. Okay. Anyway, 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 what have you been watching? 
Well, um, I have been watching the uh, Next Level Chef, the Gordon Ramsay, oh, the new Gordon Ramsay show. Is but I won't bang on about that. It's quite entertaining, Kay. Mm. It is absolutely ridiculous. Is he just very contrived. shouty and sweary? And- yeah, he's, just, he's actually nicer on this so far than he was on the last few things he's done. He does too many things, though, because he did that ridiculous BBC One game show, which wasn't even food-based, remember? Yeah, that, that which thing. was terrible, wasn't it? Yeah, well, it was quite bad, although I did host the launch of it and interviewed him for it. That's been axed anyway. Then he did that thing where they jump out of helicopters. The, oh, I didn't see the that. Cooks, it's like cook and now he's the cooking off thing, and now he's done this. I won't go on about it because it will annoy James, but I have genuinely. I mean, that's the reason to it. go on about it. So it's true that I've watched it, so I don't want. Do they cook pancakes? To... Though, that's the question. Um, and do they have not a special in the first pan? Episode, they have lots of special pans. James should be pleased to know. Okay, but it is it is like a it's kind of like Master Chef, but at ten times the speed. <laughs> And Ooh. it's really Master like, Chef on acid. Yeah, it, that's how I described it in my review for him. Oh. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Anyway, I won't bang on about that, but it's quite entertaining. I also won't bang on too much about the Prince Harry interviews, which have also been a huge part of this week. I have to say, I am so cataclysmically <laughs> bored of seeing those headlines. I know. So, and it just drives me out. And I do understand the reality of clicks and selling newspapers, but the, these newspapers who foam at the mouth how much they hate them and yet give him more publicity than you could... James, It just is, drives me mad. I mean, you've got to get used to it. This is now going to go on for eternity. But it's now, the book's out. Surely it's yes, done now, isn't no, it? The book's it out. It's done? It won't. Mostly for, done, yeah. It's, it's James not is gonna, right. It's not going to okay, carry on watch. that much. I'm telling you. By the end of the year, they'll still be like getting stories out. But of what's book. interesting is he became a t- he, he did Steve Colbert, Stephen Colbert, like the amount I watched him on that. And he, the what I'm going to say about it is first of all, I think Tom Bradby on the, the first one, the ITV one, which was out last Sunday, which was the 90 minute big showpiece interview. Was I thought Tom Bradby did a really good job with that, mm. just on a TV criticism basis. Okay. That's, that's my justification for mentioning it. Then he was on Stephen Colbert, Prince Harry. And all, all I deduced from that was, you know, all of these pompous commentators, all of these so-called royal experts, you know, and I'm including everyone from all the people who spend their entire time slugging him off, you mm. know, the Piers, Piers Morgans. Morgan, yeah. mm. What's that woman, Julia Hartley Brewer? Oh, yeah. And, oh, my God. And that Camilla one who's on this morning every day <laughs> Camilla oh they're all called Camilla Tomini this that all these kind of like posh themselves extremely kind of well off privileged people slagging Harry off mm. for not mentioning how privileged and wealthy he is but also they're all going on about how miserable he is and obviously a large part of what he's been talking about in the book and, and in all the interviews is his the death of his mother right of course but when he's not talking about that he's fine he's absolutely fine and the final evidence was that on the, on the Stephen Colbert show where he was laughing joking because Stephen Colbert is obviously it's a more of a comedy chat yeah. show format and he was great he's much more likeable I'd much rather spend time with Prince Harry than mm. any of those effing commentators experts who think he's like the death of the world you know in incarnate so that's my deduction mm. from the whole Prince Harry interview week right <laughs> so, okay good to know yeah. Bo- Boyd wants to have a beer with Harry that's what yeah. we learned and I'm sure Harry wants to I'm sure this is the podcast oh, I'm sure yeah, it does obviously. if sure not this one then Hi, my Harry. Arsenal one then you know yeah. Um, yeah. I think he's an Arsenal fan is he an no. Arsenal I think is so he? I think he is yeah I think William's Aston Villa for some god godforsaken reason <laughs> I think Harry is Arsenal I'm saying he is I haven't finished yet uh, two more things one is the the light in the hall, which is a channel for crime drama starring Yuan Rion. Is that how you pronounce it? Always Yuan Rion, yeah. yes. Joanna Scanlon, who's always fantastic in everything, and uh, Alexandra Roach. And this is the one about Joanna Scanlon's daughter was killed years previously. Yuan Rion was was is the person responsible, but he's he says he kind of it was all part. Of, he doesn't remember the details of it, and he doesn't know why he did it, if he did it, saying that he just forgot 
It was a go through amnesia at the he time. Forgot. That's his story. Amnesia. That's the word I was okay. struggling for. Okay. Yeah, he forgot due to amnesia. <laughs> Lols. Um, Lols. But all I want to say about it is, it's, it, I think it finishes this week on Channel 4. The fifth and sixth episodes are on Wednesday and Thursday. It's all on all four, as it's still called. I thought they were it to Channel 4, but it's still good all four. I still um, call it 4OD. Used to, most people do still call it 4OD. But all I'd say is, we didn't review it because it was in the dead week where we didn't do a show. <laughs> Fair enough. But normally we would have reviewed it. And it's really, really good. It's really atmospheric. And this is a show where where they filmed it all in Welsh first for S4C and then did it all in English. Like so, Keeping Faith. Like Keeping yes, Faith, yeah. Which it's I in liked. that. Yeah. And this is a really, really good example of it. Good. Joanne Scanlon is phenomenal. She's fantastic in everything, but she's particularly brilliant in this, kind of you know, going through her grief and trying to solve the mystery of what happened to her and daughter. It's very, it's really good. And the, the other thing is she has a lot of kind of themes and ideas, really, with Happy Valley, but I think it's been massively overshadowed by Happy Valley because obviously Happy Valley is the greatest show on earth ever <laughs> in the history of the world, which it is. And this isn't as good as Happy because what is mm. but I think it's a bit unfortunate for it that it's literally on in the beginning of January at the same time as that show of, with which it shares such similar kind of ideas and so things, you're really. campaigning for people to give it a go yeah definitely give it a go 100% give it a go because it's one of the best if you're, apart from Happy Valley that's in its own box of brilliance The Light in the Hall is a really good show and finally I want to mention because it's genuinely true when we started doing this podcast which was you know however long ago and we did this bit about what we've been watching it was kind of part of what we intended. It was more like actual stuff that isn't new and, you know, it wasn't. It was like the stuff that you just want to watch for the sheer hell of it. And I found that in, in the bleak, you know, periods where it's like been cold or, you know, it's Death been... Death in paradise. You have to go back to the office. <laughs> <laughs> if you want to cheer yourself up, basically, The Goes Wrong Show, which I've mentioned a few times on the show, it's now my go-to really? show. It's, it's your feel-good show. It's my feel-good show. Well, then it's, would I lie to you? A little bit. I mean, I've seen every episode of Would I Lie to You Ever probably six times. But I suddenly saw it. They repeated a lot of it over Christmas, the Goes Wrong series, the Christmas specials they did. They did three Christmas specials, right? And they're all brilliant. But just generally, the whole, all, both series are on iPlayer. They are so entertaining. They're so funny. The slapstick is genius. You know how slapstick is an art in itself? Yeah. The slapstick is up there with the legends of slapstick. You know, I'm talking the Charlie Chaplins and Buster Keynes wow. and, and, you know, Inspector Clouseau. I, I, if, you know, if you love all that stuff, and they are brilliantly silly. You'd find them quite offensive, I think. They're probably too silly for you, James. But for everyone else, they're hilarious. If you want to know which one to start with, I'd go for a trial to watch. If you watch the episode, which is this spoof legal drama, it's hilarious because it's got this bit where a set has been designed much too small than it meant to be. Everything is like tiny. And how the cast cope with this tiny set is so funny from start to finish that I absolutely loved it. So The Ozone Show... Um, Wait a minute, what channel is that on? It's on BBC, BBC oh. iPlayer. Okay, Kay's, Kay's actually taking notes. That's good. <laughs> a trial to watch. Go to a show if you want one to start. If you haven't watched any of it before, but it's fantastically funny, entertaining, and lovely. And yeah, that's that's it. Okay, Kay, what have you been watching? I've only been watching one thing, which I know probably I'm not allowed to talk about, but I'm just going to mention it. Oh God, here we go. The Great Pottery Throwdown. Yes. I mean... Come on, guys. It's... Kay, you're allowed to say whatever the hell you want. Don't listen to I, the dictator. He gives me... <sighs> no, but when I talk about what I've actually been watching, he gives me the stink eye. Yeah. But um. Yeah, no, it's really, it's really comforting and joyful, and yeah, it's, I mean, just as assume, a part of myself, let's, let's pretend for a moment that I'm interested. Yeah. What, <laughs> what, what is what is what is, what is what is this show? Explain to me in a nutshell. Okay. What's the logline? It's home potters who take part in the competition. Each week they are they have three challenges to do. Right. So in the first episode, it was making a full tea set. So uh, teapot, teacup, saucers, all of it, and you know, and then they have one like surprise challenge, so they can't prep for it. In this case, it was making milk, identical milk jugs, four of them, James, if you will, thrown. And if they're rubbish, they get thrown into the clay pit. They're just like... Well, the people. 
Yeah. Mm. The people get thrown into a clay pit. Harsh, but fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's like (laughs) they're all just dipped in clay. (laughs) And locked in a kiln. (laughs) (laughs) Dickhead. Um, I was serious. No, they don't get thrown. Their pots get thrown at the pit. Right, so the people Um, don't get thrown in a pit. You actually thought that. Yeah, absolutely. That's That's my understanding of reality TV. He's a donkey. Um, (laughs) And the third thing is, yeah, they they make something, I can't remember what the third challenge is, but they made three challenges and then they're judged on it and then one gets eliminated. But what's really sweet is the main guy, Keith, I think he's at Brimer Jones, Brimmer Jones um, he's the main judge and he's so emotional so every week like I mean at least three times an episode he cries with the emotion of people throwing stuff well if he's throwing people in a clay pit I'm not surprised <laughs> yeah. but Who's it's really now? nice Ah, oh, now That's I'm the... glad you asked Paul yeah. sure. McSweeney and she's right, fantastic I knew it was someone good, yeah. Sister from Michael. Derry Girls yeah. yeah there you go no, she, that's I, I, okay, she you can't, so, now you should have yeah, led with this, that yeah buried frankly. the lead buried the lead yeah. she is fantastic on Sister it. She, Michael leads yeah. a fucking yeah. reality TV show about so pottery that's great funny on it it's a joy it's a and I'm sure you're a bit of a potter yourself though aren't you you should be involved in this James is going to do you're a potter are you an amateur potter yes she made me a cup which I've still got where's my cup okay so basically I took out pottery classes an expensive course and the only thing I made the thing I set my mind to was making a cup for Boyd's let's say big birthday a few years ago every single session I was focused yeah I made him this cup and I don't want to blame the teacher right but it all went wrong and the cup had a ri- ridiculously large handle. Like, it looked like the BFG's it here. It's still, it's still perfectly usable. Though. And um, I was almost embarrassed. I wasn't going to give it to him and I thought, no, you know, do you know what I mean? Like, this is like a £400 cup, just give it to him now. And I'd get, I did for the course, which is a lot of oh, money. Oh, I see, yeah. And uh, yeah, he didn't he, pay just to make that he cup. He never uses it, James. That's the bottom no, line. No, I use it at home, Kai. I took it home. Mm, it's a home cup. It's a home cup. Yeah. <laughs> it was a work cup. Did for, you like, put years. it in the special cupboard, boys? <laughs> yeah, it's in the special cupboard. <laughs> when we moved offices, that was the first, that was the, that was the last time I used it when we moved offices. So I took okay, it home. Okay, so yeah. you do love it. I didn't want it to because in our new office, we haven't got anywhere to put fucking cups. That that is fair. Do you know what? Yeah. Let's, I'm going to take a picture of you with the cup and we'll uh, say so everyone can see the. The cup in Well, use. I think I can take a picture of it with the cup because it's at home, so I'm not sure hanging out. Okay, well, details. <laughs> Will it replace in your affections the cup with John Harris's face on it? John Harris, Ooh. of course, being our original part yeah. of the TV producer. Yeah. No, it won't. That yeah. John Dan no, cup nothing is the best. Yeah. No, no, he's, no. The, he's the OG. But, you should, but more important, you should be a contestant in the great pottery throwdown. All right, well, if, if James, James is going to do... So I'm going to be on The Traitors, Kay's going to be on this pottery throwdown thing, and Boyd, what's your reality TV show? Oh, uh, I don't know, really. Um, none of them. No, you, you two, that's fine. Married at it? first sight. <laughs> no. I mean, Love Island, obviously. Oh, yeah. Clearly, yeah. clearly Love Island. Yeah. Okay, good, yeah. good. Yeah. Well, okay, but I have questions, Boydie, yeah. partly for you, mm. related to what I've been watching. Did you ever finish Trigger Point? Trigger Point. Oh, the, with Vicky McClure and the yes. bombs. Yes, I did, yes. You did, so yes. I didn't. Oh. And I finished it on the weekend. I watched all oh, of yeah, it on good. the weekend. Oh, no. Well, so, 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 like, she's really good, mm. and I actually enjoyed, like, the first episode and the second one, but the thing is, I guessed the entire plot halfway through the second episode. Like, absolutely down to exactly what the misdirection would be, who mm. the actual villain would be mm. all of it I guess in the second episode okay. and I just felt it was so glaringly obvious that and I, I'm not saying oh aren't I? I'm like Sherlock I was in my mind palace no I just thought it was quite you know predictable um, I um, don't think I did oh didn't you yes no but I'm terrible I mean okay, I'm fair. very easily misdirected so but this is partly why I think you should be doing the, the traitors <laughs> you see, this is what I'm talking about yeah I know you guys are joking about it but I, in my, I oh, actually yeah. think it's going to happen in my is taking part yeah so I, but I do remember really enjoying it yeah and I know I remember it being quite in the end slightly contrived maybe yes but it was very there were a couple of plot devices where I was like the bit with a locker and I was like oh come on yeah, yeah. Like it, that was deeply stupid and the, but the thing that kind of threw me is that she's 
shagging a colleague, uh, D.I. Tom Youngblood. Yeah. And D.I. Tom Youngblood is <laughs> played by named. Mark Stanley, who plays yes, Mr. Hepworth right. in Happy Valley. Oh my God, I'm so glad you said that, because yes. I've been thinking what else yes. he's been in. That's brilliant. And he's a bit of a controlling dick in yes, this as well. He, is, he has yeah. big dick energy. Right. Uh, not in a good way. I wanted to say last week, what, what uh, I meant to find out where else Mark Stanley had been in. Been in. So I knew his name. He's been in a few yeah. things, but that, yeah. you're right, that's the particularly yeah. memorable thing he was in most recently. There's, yeah. there's the thing at the end, like where they, and it involves the periodic table of the elements. And I just, honestly, yeah. I was almost yelling at the screen. I found it so irritating. But I did enjoy it. And it's only six episodes, but it was, it was You know, fun. that show, by the way, was, I think it was the biggest drama hit of last year. Really? I think. I'm pretty sure. I, I'm, I should double check on the Google. But yeah, it's definitely up there. If not, I think it's the, it's certainly the most popular new, brand new drama. So that was the first series. But I think it might even even been the biggest drama. It did massively well. It was a huge hit for ITV. Yeah, I had, I don't want to, I don't want to go into my particular reason. There, there are things about the structure and the way it was put together that bothered me but it kind of gets into spoiler territory mm. if, I, if I go into too much deep. I will say that there's a balance between her personal life and her work life it jarred with me from a structural point of view until it became clear why it was happening and it's just like that so I had I had, shall we say some some issues but that, that yeah. said I genuinely enjoyed it or I wouldn't have watched all six episodes so trigger point I had to confirm with that and then and then I went back to Echo 3 now obviously we started uh, yeah. Echo 3 yeah. I think I'd seen the first three episodes so that was part one I think it's in four parts and it's really good and it's not what we thought because you know it it was quite predictable and they went to the jungle and they tried to get her and then they didn't get her and then then it ended and then it goes in directions you do not expect and there's an episode that is entirely about the wife when she's in prison and stuff and like Frank and Patenta's in it and then we go back to the reporter and it it goes it, it, and all the way through it has that incredibly lavish like they, they've shot in these places they've gone they've spent all this money there are incredibly long arty shots of just insects on leaves and things like that because <laughs> it goes on about here's a slug let's look at it for 10 minutes but like you know and it's, but it's, it gives you that real sense of the rainforest and Colombia and, and Venezuela and yeah I, I really liked it I thought uh, I thought part two was really good there was a point where they quite literally recruit Boba Fett to try and get her back which was wow. an unexpected turn of events yeah. but uh, but yes I'm better really enjoying the it book of Boba Fett. much better yeah. than the book of Boba Fett I've got two episodes left uh, so as we go out on Monday the finale I think will have aired on Friday so mm -hmm. I think that the final 10th episode will be out there so I'm looking forward to watching a that a lot of people tweeted me about it saying you should really we were wrong because I was probably I think I was probably the most you were critical. wrong I was right yeah you were I, I, was, I found it a bit <laughs> Yes, and Kay know. was wrong, but I appreciate the production values and everything. It was fantastic. Yeah, uh, uh, but I, yeah, I didn't, I didn't particularly get on board with it. But no, I did have a. I've had more people actually tweeting me saying you should carry on watching it because it gets better and better than most other shows I can think of. So I should check it out. Yeah, yeah no, it's good. It's it's worth sticking with. Another winner. Hit, hit. another yeah. winner. Right, Brilliant. that's what we've been watching. I think we've got a couple of guests this week. Let's have the first one, shall we? You will know her from the likes of Bend It Like Beckham and a million episodes of ER, but Parminda Nagra is back in Scrubs this week for Maternal on ITV. This sees her, Lisa McGrillis and Laura Polva as three working mothers back from maternity and thrown onto the NHS front lines in an hospital. Parminda dropped by this week to speak to Kay. So welcome to the pod, Parminda. Thanks for joining us. Thank you. Thank you for having me. I wanted to first start off by talking about how you got this role because I heard whisperings. It was sort of an unusual route. It was kind of by accident, actually. Um, well, you know, you always think if you read opposite someone, maybe something might come of it. But um, I was uh, reading opposite Lara Pulver, who plays the Catherine, uh, sorry, plays the part of Catherine McDermott on Maternal. You know, we'd spent a lot of our uh, the pandemic doing self tapes together, so she asked me to read with her. 
uh, for this part, you know, for this ITV job. And I said, absolutely, let's let's go get you this job. And, you know, I was, you know, there ready to help her. And then she, we did, we did the initial um, audition and then we were asked to do a callback. Well, she was asked to do a callback uh, for the producers and she asked me to read opposite her and I said, absolutely. And so I sat there, read opposite her. And then um, hilariously, I got a note from the director. And by the way, because I'm reading off camera, you don't see me. You don't see who the person is. So they had no idea really. He gave me a note and I just thought, how dare you? In fact, I actually <laughs> said it, which is quite cheeky, actually. I said, how dare you? I'm not even up for this bloody thing. Um, <laughs> it's cheeky. It is cheeky. And, uh, and anyway, I did. I played the note, which was to give Lara a face. I'm very good at giving her faces. And, um, and then I got a phone call the following day saying, would you take a look at the role of Mariam? And, and I did. So I read opposite Raza, who's... Lara's husband, who's also my dear friend of 20 plus years. So we we read opposite each other. And then he got a phone call the following day after that, offering him the role of Jack. So we literally, it was like our little, our little family, LA pandemic family, took our whole kit caboodle and shuffled off to Liverpool, which was amazing, an amazing summer. I mean, going forward, this surely should be the way that you go for all jobs now, all three of you come as a trio. I just think, I mean, why not? I mean, Adam Sandler does it all the time. I mean, you know, people work with their friends all the time. I think this is a good, you have a good, and apart, in all seriousness, there's a good shorthand because you can give each other notes and not be precious about why, you know, why are you telling me to do it like that? Or, you know, you you trust each other. So that's a massive part of it. And particularly for your character, Mariam, and Laura's character of Catherine, because they have this sort of friendship and camaraderie. What can you... Tell us about your character and her story, plus the friendships with Catherine and Helen. Well, Mariam's a, a, a paediatric registrar um, working in County General Hospital. Lara's character is Catherine McDermott, and she is also working in the same facility, but as a surgeon. And then we've got Lisa McGrillis's character, Helen, who is also working in the A&E department. And all three of us have been friends for a very long time. We come back to work after maternity leave of um, varying degrees of time. And it's just sort of they're put through their paces, you know, the the you know, going, trying to balance their work and trying to balance their home life. And, and how does that work? And they soon find out as when you meet them. Mariam is, uh, she's very good at what she does, but she worries. She worries a lot until she's in the zone. And when once she's in the zone doing her job, she, she's all good. But yeah, it's a bit of a test for her going back. And to be fair, she has quite a chaotic, I mean, the minute ease her in and that first day, it's like, no, no, you're going to otherwise, would it? (laughs) (laughs) They stick her right in, you know, with Julie Graham's character, who plays my boss, who is amazing, by the way, literally hands me a page and and says, you know, here you go, off, off to work you go. And I think Marion was just expecting sort of sit in her admin meeting for the day and, uh, be happily uh, listening to this guy drone on about HR and what what have you, but it doesn't quite end up like that. It picks up a pace right from the beginning. It uh, it certainly does that, yeah. And it sort of covers a lot of feelings that like returning um, like mums to work feel right. So it's kind of like regaining your confidence in what you did for a living, which you've probably forgotten about your identity, all those things. And she kind of gets thrown in the deep end. And then not only is having to remember who she is, but I mean, a really life or death situation with 
a baby. And are you ever going to really feel truly ready? You know, the moment you wait for yourself to be truly ready, your life might have absolutely passed you by. So, you know, she jumps in and there's all all the guilt that comes with going to work as a parent of like, what if I miss them? Or what if I don't miss them at all? Like that's that's worse, right? Like that's probably yeah. one of the first few lines of Marion's. <laughs> um, <laughs> But I think it's so true because you worry about it. You're like, are my kids being taken care of? Like, am I doing the right thing? So yeah, there's there's a lot of conflicting things, but it's also part of who she is and what she does. And I think that's also very, very important. Mum guilt. Mum guilt. It never goes away, by the way. It's real. Yeah. <laughs> it's real. Um, what was it like working so closely with Lara? Obviously you said you're very good friends. And have yeah. you ever worked with Lisa before or... I've never time? worked with Lisa. It's the first time um, we met and we all, I mean, you know, she may say differently, but I think we all got. Um, but with Lara, we've, and she reminded me of this. I've known Lara for about 12 years because of Raza and we were never brought together together because of work. It was all to do with life before that. And now all of a sudden we're there working together. And I have to tell you, it was because we've done so many self-tapes and directed or redirected each other. And like I said, with a complete shorthand, once we were on set and some there were some moments on the show where, you know, emotionally the characters are, are going through things a bit. And, oh, I mean, we could stare at each other when we were, we didn't have to build up to that. We didn't have to spend like weeks of bonding trying to get to, to that moment. It was... It was already there, that history. I would say it was a gift, actually. It was a real gift to be able to work with your friend and uh, and now a fellow colleague, which is 12 years later, which is a bit mad. <laughs> and also yeah. to be back in England. Was that nice? It was so nice. And by the way, I've never been to Liverpool at all, ever. And And then I got to Liverpool and I went, wow, look at this city. It's amazing. There's so much going on. There's so many great places to eat. There's, I mean, I, I had a really, had a really lovely time. It wasn't, it wasn't as close to my, my folks as I would have liked because I was like up and down the motorway most weekends trying to deal with my own Parminder's logistics as opposed to Marion's logistics. But what a great city. And it was just lovely to be back on on set with a British crew and British actors. And it's not the first time you've played a doctor because many will obviously remember you as Dr. Neela. (laughs) (laughs) Dr. Neela as in ER. Um, Um, Did your, did your medical training just come flooding back, Parminda? Were you just like, yep, get those gloves uh, on? I'm not sure it came flooding back. The bits of it sort of, I was like, okay, I know how to, for camera to maybe camouflage something. Certain things that really tripped me up was the way that the, the British will say certain pronunciation of medical terms and how I got used to saying some of those terms in the American way. So I got complete, I had to retrain my brain to say it in the British way because I got so used to saying it in the American way. But yeah, it was it was it was a big deal for me coming back to do like a significant medical show. But because of the humor of maternal and all those other ingredients of these three women and post-COVID, all of that stuff. But really, I think the thing that topped it for me was just just the humor and the and the emotion of the piece that it ticked enough boxes for me to go. I think I'm 
I'm okay to play a doctor again. <laughs> Everybody's <laughs> like, why is she playing a doctor again? Like, it's different it's guys, I promise. <laughs> it's because you're so good at it and convincing. I mean, do people come up to you in the street and actually think you're a doctor? Have you found yourself in a situation where people are asking you advice? No, I, I think there's sometimes when friends will, you know, have some like minor ailment or whatever, and they'll go, you know, you played one on TV. <laughs> you're like, guys, it's not how it works. And I'm like, yeah, I'd call nine, you know, nine 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 or nine one one. You know, it's like depending on where you are. Yeah, I'm not. I'm okay. not the best, but I know enough maybe to be dangerous, but not enough to be uh, good at anything. Really, I can't even can't even say it. See, so <laughs> there you go. Um, and finally, like, what do you think? Do you think there's scope for a second series? Is there more that you want to explore with your character? Because you know, that's the probably the hope, right? Yeah, I mean, you never know. I mean, there's so much out in the world in terms of content nowadays. You just don't know what's going to what's going to hit. You know, we'll see come Monday the 16th when this uh airs on ITV. Uh, <laughs> very good. <laughs> very good. See, I'll plug that. Um we'll see and also we'll know very quickly because all six episodes are available straight away, which um not sure whether I like that or not nowadays, but you know, it's like what happened to just watching one one episode at a time, you know. Anyway, so I think we'll, what I'm saying is I think we'll know very quickly whether an audience uh, relates to it, and I, I'd probably say if there's and there's a pretty you know, it's about to swear there. There's there's a lot of parents out there, and there's a lot of people juggling their life, so there's a lot for people to relate to on this show. Yeah, absolutely. I think you'll have a lot of people at home nodding along sagely and thinking, yes, this is my life, albeit yeah. not on the NHS frontline. Yeah. Um, Parminda, thank you so much. Good luck with the show. And we look forward to watching all six episodes. Oh, my God. Thank you. Right. That was Parminda Nagra and Kay. And now we go on to this week's listener question. Comes from MSS Living underscore well. And they say, not sure if this is where post-bag questions go. It is, don't worry. Uh, but saw this question posed by someone else, plagiarism, thought it was worth posing to you guys. If you could watch any TV series for the first time again, what would it be? Straight out, mine would be The West Wing, mm-hmm. which I watched Please. <laughs> I watched 10 years after it came out anyway. Do you remember? Of course. Um, and, Classic. And since then, Boyd's been mocking me for it. And everything that I Fair. come to late is called, oh, you know, it's your West Wing again. Um, but yeah, if I could go back and watch that again, and I think I'm just going to do it anyway because I've forgotten most of it. But yeah, I'd love to go back and enjoy it for the first time. Just the West Wing? You're not, I nothing. Like, one, one answer. I Very only, pure I'm, on these. I only give one answer because... <laughs> I'm only prepared to give one answer. Yeah. yeah. Kay, that's it. That's, yeah. you got to pay for Kay's time. Yeah. So we got Pilot Plus. You want K Plus. Yeah. you got to pay even yeah. more. Yeah, okay, for anyone answers. in Pilot Plus, I'll give an extra okay. answer, but yeah. not on the main... Well, my one single solid, very obvious, <laughs> clankingly... Is that a word? Oh, oh let me guess. Let me guess. Yeah. Curb. Is it going to be the OA? Yes. Oh, <laughs> I found Curb. Oh, no, no, no. No, because Curb is like, I think because the whole point of this question, isn't it, to me is the experience of watching it yeah. is so special because of the way mm. it plays out. You know, Curb was obviously brilliant. Seinfeld, all my favourite comedies. But I think this has to be a big drama that is sends chills down your spine because it's so spectacularly surprising and shocking and 
bizarre, and that is the OA. I mean, the the, the moment after, I think it's seventy two minutes. I was <laughs> forget, but when the titles go, the title yeah. sequence doesn't arrive until sixty seventy minutes in. That alone, that moment alone, is so brilliantly done that I want to live, relive that experience as well. And I really want to relive the experience of watching the season two finale for the first yeah. time, which is one of the most, as I boringly say, every other week, audacious episodes of a TV ever in history. So it's definitely the OA, one hundred percent. Brackets, I've got a couple of other suggestions though, I'm okay. <laughs> so not just one answer though. No, but in similar terms, really brilliantly bold B-word, kind of surprising shows. The Singing Detective, I'm going back to literally in like the late 70s, early 80s. I think it was the early 80s. Yeah, it's good. Um, good. good that we're talking about shows that yeah. happened before any yeah. of our listeners were born. Exactly. That's fine. Um, <laughs> but they did show it recently on BBC4. BBC4 has been showing a lot of all-time classic shows recently. And now that it's basically become a kind of um, sh- sh- a, sh- a channel entirely showing vintage repeats. Um, but they showed the Singing Detective and I watched um, one of the episodes like this. It was as, as amazing as I remember it being. Dennis Potter's masterpiece. I've never seen it. It's so incredible, honestly. Um, Michael Gambon. Because it mixes um, what's so up to, modern about it ahead of its time is that it's got different timelines it's got the childhood of this, the main character Michael Gambon's character it's got him in the present day in his hospital bed dealing with this psoriasis in this very kind of um, yeah quite distressing but fascinating way and he's got this like fantasy scene which is him as this Raymond Chandler style cop um, which are like a film noir so it's, it's so it feels so modern the way the way it's done uh, but just all of those things that made it incredibly surprising and fascinating to relive watching that would be brilliant and then stuff like I mean I would quite like to start watching Lost again even though I slag off Lost <laughs> what, because it wasn't painful enough the first but time but knowing what I know now yeah I, <laughs> you want to relive I the crushing disappointment I, I genuinely I suddenly thought of this I, I've never I've never gone back and watched any of Lost after the crushing disappointment I, for me of the finale and the whole of the last season really but there are its defenders you know there's very smart clever people who I admire a lot who, who defend it to the death and say no no it was brilliant all the way through even the ending was brilliant but the whole but I remember how exciting it was because that heralded the start of a, a, a new lavishly expensive ambitious world for network TV for ABC yeah. ABC aired Lost and I went on set and everything in Hawaii uh, as incredible. we've heard uh, yeah. I was just about to say that <laughs> I was waiting for it to come up. but genuinely the experience of watching Lost as I say I think which I feel is this question is getting at is just the viewing experience was so special and so thrilling that first episode is one of the great first episodes of ever of all time and so I almost just saying I, I want to rewatch that first episode which I haven't done for since what I don't know. How long is it? 20 years? It's been a while. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah. I would, I, I, maybe I will have a look at Lost again. Okay. That's my answer. I think it's like any show that you genuinely love. For me, it's the transportational shows. So for me, weirdly, it would be something like Game of Thrones. Yeah. Or The Expanse, obviously. But you do rewatch um, those every day. I do. But, like, but to see them again for the first time, right. to see Game of Thrones again for yeah. the first time and enter that world and not know where it's going. And yes, yes, and people listening, you will also have the crushing disappointment of season eight. It's like, no, I actually quite enjoyed it. But uh, yeah, I, I, that, that I would love to be able to, to re-experience that. So, Battlestar, Galactica as well to relive that again West Wing would obviously be one of mine but The Shield as well these are the kind of shows it's those kind of really meaty shows weirdly like Happy Valley at the moment where you are so desperate to get back into that world and you have no idea what's in store what's coming where it's going to go there's a very particular joy in that uh, and rewatching is very comforting it's lovely I love to do it and it does take you back to those places and actually you can get sometimes more out of something on a second watch I think oh, yeah. Um, yeah. so it's not like it's a bad thing to rewatch things but there is something about your first viewing of something really special mm. maybe 2023 will be the year that I watch Game of Thrones guys well, okay. You know, okay. everyone's very excited for the prospect. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, how long did you say the West Wing? How late were you on the West Wing? Ten years. Ten years. I mean, Ten years. Yeah. I mean, I've got time for the Game of Thrones then. Yeah. Well, yeah. you're about, you know, 
You're about spot on for 10 years, and if you want to start Game of Thrones, so... No, when did that start? It started in 2011. So actually... Did it? Yeah, you're overdue. Wow. Oh, shit, okay. Wow. Yeah. Okay, guys. Right, I'll commit to it then. Okay. Well, I hope that answered your question. If you would like to submit your question to the Pilot TV podcast, do send it to us via DM on Twitter at Pilot TV Pod or to me on Instagram via DM at James C. Dyer. We also accept voice notes. And if you want to hear more from the postbag, do subscribe to Pilot TV Plus, where we go into this in much greater detail. So... Shall we have some news? And I think the big news from this week, we can all agree, is one thing and one thing only, and that's the fact that it is all kicking off in the trailer for Carnival Row Season 2. <laughs> what did you think, guys? <laughs> Were you blown away? Um, I have to say, it's slightly passed me by. Apologies. Oh, it looks so good. It's like the fairies are up in arms. Of course they are. Oh, it's, yeah, it's all kicking off on the road. I had to do a little preview um, for Heat of this show, I decided. And just writing, I just couldn't stop thinking of you. I was like, I just really need James to do this for me. Because I was like, oh yeah, there's pixies and things in the same world as fairies and humans and he's half human is he he's uh, half fairy uh, I can't mm. remember anything but I did watch like, a few episodes of it when we reviewed it <laughs> yeah he's look at his fairy. face I know, he's so excited <laughs> oh, um, yeah no is it good for you? Know, the trailer looks really good oh, yeah okay. it looks really good there, mm. there, there's an uprising there's a fairy yes, uprising that's what Carol, dead by Cara Delevingne right indeed yeah that's what I wrote in my preview good. yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, you got it right then well yeah, done right, yeah. <laughs> no I mean, I love the fact that one of your favourite shows is Cara Delevingne supermodel Cara Delevingne well, it's it's like, if I'm not watching Carnival Row I'm watching Planet Sex so I guess she features quite a lot on my view Fan. Yeah, she's like that absolutely terrible film she did with, um, you know, that was it, the City of a Thousand Million Planets, whatever it's called. What City. It called? Oh, oh, yes, yeah. <laughs> Yes, uh, Luke Besson's. Yeah, Luke Besson. Uh, the, the, the name of which we've both oh, forgotten yeah. is City of uh, a Thousand Planets, and the first it. word is. Yeah. I can't remember. No, it's terrible though. Absolutely terrible. But uh, yes, yeah. I I did watch that. In mm. fact, that was famously the film where I watched it, and then the publicist immediately yes. ushered us into <laughs> yes. a room with, with Luke, Luke Besson. <laughs> so we get asked what we thought of it. It was like yeah. uh, I literally yeah. I pushed Nick in front of me yeah. uh, just because I refused to, and Nick went. It was very colourful. <laughs> <laughs> which it is to be fair which it is yeah. which it is classic yeah. Nick oh it was amazing it must have taken a lot of very work <laughs> oh. yes. it was very funny oh, it made me laugh a lot yes so yes. Carnival Row season 2 the trailer was amazing and that's pretty much all the news uh, no come on I mean look part of me doesn't want to talk about the Golden Globes I know but we probably should but let's not dwell too much on it I watched some highlights of it and I, well, I would say one thing first of which Gerard Carmichael who hosted it was absolutely effing great he was really like properly daring in his um, he made a joke about Scientology it was a reference to Scientology which was extraordinary and generally he was like I'm I'm only here because I'm black you know he was like <laughs> he's just, his whole thing <laughs> was fantastic yeah his whole thing was fantastic but we should talk about there were some fine winners and there were some questionable ones I, should I go through some can of we the talk ones? about best TV drama can yeah. we just talk about best TV That's, drama yes we can like what's going on there well you like have you talked about House of the I love one. House of Dragon. I, I think it's great, but I know. it's not the best show of last no, year. Let's not pretend it it's was. It's not. Some of these winners are very Golden Globey. What I mean is, like, they tend, to, they really like bigness, don't they? And like big stars. And so this is an example of that. I think. I think they've just come down the list and gone well. In fact, I'm slightly surprised they didn't get to the Crown. But they're not Ozarks too kind of like culty. Severance similarly a bit kind of difficult to start with, maybe challenging. Better was still obviously we should have won equally. So they've given it to the kind of to the to the Game of Thrones continuance blockbuster. Yeah. blockbuster. House of the Dragon, but yeah. This, How about Elementary won Best it did. Musical yeah. Comedy? And I, I, I like that show. It's a really likeable show, but when it's up against The Bear, mm. Hacks, mm -hmm. Only Murders in the Building, and Wednesday, 
It should not have won, I don't think. I'm sorry. I know it's re- it's a lovely show. It's really good. It's really enjoyable. <laughs> but come on, Hacks, The Bear, Only Murders, they're all much better. I even like Wednesday more, I think. So that's that's a bad result. This is a brilliant this is exactly what I'm talking about. Best actor in the TV series, drama actor. Who? It's not Jeff Bridges from The Old Man. It's not Diego Luna from Andor. It's not Bob Odenkirk from Better Call Saul. It's not even Adam Scott from Severance. It is Who? Kevin Costner for Yellowstone. I mean, effing hell. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, he's great. He's really entertaining. He is not the best actor by any stretch of the imagination in this year of TV. That is idiotic. (laughs) Are you saying this is... I know it's not... Isn't this not voted? This is voted by the Hollywood Foreign Press. Hollywood Foreign Press. Okay, so it's not the same in this regard, but it's giving me the vibe of NTAs the way you're talking about it. The NTAs is different because NTAs are voted for by members of the public. Mm. So and that never ends well. No, that never ends well. (laughs) So these should end better, really, considering they're voted for by ostensibly. But when you delve in, I mean, this is the whole point of how shockingly embarrassing the wrong globes are. When you delve into what the members actually do, they're not really even like critics. Often, a lot of them are like kind of like Norwegian (laughs) showbiz correspondents. I'm being really. I'm fair, but still, I'm, I'm sticking Very to it. Yeah. Wow. Snobbish. To any Norwegian showbiz correspondents listening to the podcast, I can only apologise on behalf please of boys. Please subscribe yeah. to Pilot Plus. Yeah, please subscribe to Pilot Plus. <laughs> but I, I have boys. met some of these people, because like, if you ever go on like a junket trip, to, you know, I did a mm. trip to um, Stranger Things, I did yeah. a couple of years ago, um, and you meet some of the people who are members of Hollywood, and you're like, okay, well, you know, fine. Um <laughs> Just saying. <laughs> anyway, best actress in a drama. It's not Emma Darcy. It's not Laura Linney. It's not Imelda Staunton. It's not Hilary Swank. It's Zendaya. That is deserved. That's deserved. Yeah, I was going to say. I support that one. <laughs> then, what other major ones should we mention? Obviously, um, Jennifer Coolidge. Jennifer Coolidge winning best supporting actress. And, and best lovely speech. speech. Hilarious lovely speech. She is becoming one of the best acceptance mm. speech performers <laughs> in all of Hollywood. She is brilliant. Also, I was happy about Jeremy Allen White. Yeah, yeah. You, you're right. I was, was about to say shout. that. Best actor in a, in a musical or comedy. Beating Donald Glover, Bill Hader, Steve Martin, Martin Short. And he, yeah, he does deserve that. I think he was fantastic in that show. Um, so there's some good good winners. The White Lotus as well. Absolutely, massively, fully deserved. One best limited series. Beating Blackbird. The Jeffrey Dahmer story. The dropout, Jeffrey Dahmer actor won for that catch. Gavin Peters won best actor mm. in the limited series. And I've already seen that relatives of one of the Jeffrey Dahmer's victims complained that he didn't acknowledge the victims of Jeffrey Dahmer in his acceptance speech. Mm. So that's interesting, I think. Again, that's such a kind of touchy subject, I think. Um, and Amanda Seyfried won for The Dropout, and she was brilliant in The Dropout. The Dropout was a really good show. She did make it into our top. It was okay. It was, it was good. It was fine. Yeah. Right. It, was it was a, a bit something. boring. It was a bit yeah, boring. Yeah, I, I mean, I hate I to didn't say, make I it to the end. Oh, yeah. well. I got, I got quite bored. Okay. Just because you didn't get to the end doesn't mean it's that boring. And finally, Paul Walter in Blackbird, which was, he was brilliant in Blackbird again. Um, so I think there are some valid winners in those. Those are the main TV awards. James is going to fall asleep if I carry on anyway. <laughs> <laughs> right. What else has happened? There's been quite a bit of Walking Dead news. Can oh. I bore you with the Walking Dead I mean, that's news? That's more boring than the Golden Globes. Sure. Okay. Well, the Rick and Michonne spin-off is coming in 2024. That now has no, a year, which is good. <laughs> so you know when that's coming. Uh, also, if we're going to be on the Walking Dead thing, they have said that Fear the Walking Dead is ending with season eight. So there you go. I'm trying to be encouraging. Brilliant reaction. Oh, like you've ever watched slash thought about Fear of the Walking Dead. Yeah, I love the official quote. The official quote from AMC says, the eighth season of Fear the Walking Dead begins 
after the conclusion of season seven of Fear the Walking Dead. <laughs> wow. So, so quite controversial that's, there. That's news. Yeah, breaking the formula. Yeah, that is big news. <laughs> that is. I, I, I haven't watched Fear the Walking Dead since about season five? God, if you four? haven't. Then... I don't know. Yeah. I haven't. I'm, I'm, I've given up on that. So I'm not watching that. But also, also while we're on horror things returning from, you remember From, which I watched to the end? Yeah, on sci-fi. Yeah, that, that is coming back. That has, uh, that has got a return date, uh, which is April 23rd, on on MGM Plus, formerly known as Epics in the US. I don't know where we get when we're getting it here, but presumably it'll be around that time. Although it did take a while. It took a while to come yeah. to the UK the first time around. So, so what I'm essentially saying is, I have no idea. I have no, no idea when no. From is coming to no. the UK. Um, um, Sorry. More to that, no one cares. No. no. That's 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 probably fair. Right, any other news? I've, um, got, I've got some comedy news. Oh, James Dimitriou has a new uh, Netflix comedy. James, James Dimitriou. Yeah, what is, are you on very formal yeah. terms with James, him? James. Oh, James. 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 Sir James of Dimitriou will return. <laughs> J-Dog's got a new Netflix comedy special called A Whole Lifetime with Jamie Dimitriou. Yes. Apparently he's going to write and star in it and it'll take reviewers on a journey through life from birth to death via songs and skits and it'll just be him playing different characters on each stage of the journey plus he will, he will be joined by comedians including Katie Wicks, Sean Clifford, Ellie White, John uh, Pointing who we liked from Big Boys. Bad Boys, Big Boys. <laughs> bad, bad, <laughs> big, big, big Boys. Bad Big Boys for life, big yes. Boys. Yeah, yeah, so I'm excited about that. That is gen- genuine that is sign. That's news. reminded me, someone also reminded me on Twitter that your your fandom boyd yeah. was no, were known as the uh, the bad boyds for life. Oh yeah, that was good. That was, uh, yeah, that that was a good that one. That is a good yeah, one. Really yeah. good. Uh, yeah, I'm looking for that. Jamie Dimitri thing is going to be great. Yeah, mm. he's brilliant. Yeah. No, son of Natasha Dimitri's No, I was surprised at that. Yeah, well, it's fine. She probably is in it. It just hasn't been mentioned yeah. in the press release. Yeah. Slow Horses, season three, casting news, show Peter Risu. Oh, yes, really? Yeah, pilot I didn't favorite. see that. Pilot favourite, oh, joining the cast, yeah. That's exciting. Season. Yeah, he's playing a former head of security at the British Embassy in Istanbul. Amazing. In the show, yeah. The brilliant Slow Horses with Gary Oldman, etc. Yeah, so that the cast that just gets better and better. Do cast... we know when, when Sirius is arriving? I'm guessing um, very strongly that it will be in the middle of this year. So it feels like, <laughs> thank you, boy. I'm, well, I'm going to guess April because from yeah, April last um, year, it was, Simon I think it might April. be slightly later because I think they're still filming. Actually, maybe they're not. Yeah, I think it will be. I don't think we'll have too long to yeah. wait. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Do we have a date from Forgotten? Uh, I we I don't it's... have an exact date. I want to say it's next month. Though. Yeah, I think it's February. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it's February. Oh, yeah, yeah. Some of us might have been sent the uh, yeah. opening episode. Some of us, some of us mm. might have seen that. Some of us might have indeed. Uh, Talking of things that some of us might have seen, <laughs> there was a trailer that came out for Lockwood and Co. Yes. Um, Joe Cornish's highly anticipated mm. um, YA adaptation of novels. There was a trailer came out. I saw the trailer and the trailer was fucking excellent. Hang on. It's a YA show. Yes. It's on Netflix. Yes. So has it already yeah. been cancelled before it airs? No, or? it has not been cancelled. Um, <laughs> give it time. We'll give, we'll, yeah. Um, hopefully um, we'll, we'll speak to the great man soon. And um, But yeah, the trailer, the trailer, Kay, looks excellent for Colt Lockwood and Co. And we were reviewing it. The I think we were reviewing trailer, it, the trailer, says Boyd. He really enjoyed the I did trailer. really enjoy the trailer. The 40-minute trailer. <laughs> no, just the trailer. Oh, then you could try to get into trouble, <laughs> young lady. Um, Thanks for Yes. Uh, so I think, we, I, depending on the um, uh, embargo, Yes. Hopefully review it next week or the week after. Yeah. I think it'll be the week after. Well, no, it won't be. It oh. won't be. So we'll either review it next well, week on, on the regular Plus. show or we will review right. it on Pilot Plus, depending yeah. on what the embargo insists <laughs> Exactly. On. Well pointed out. So we will see. Okay, good, good. Anything mm. else? Uh, no. No, I no. just had the Traitors news, but we covered it. Okay, yes. I have already yeah. ruined, ruined, our news. ruined the Traitors news. Yeah, you did. Uh, I did. Sorry about that. <laughs> Which, right. did we actually, wait a minute, did we actually oh. say what the news was? I don't yes. think we did. Yes. Oh, actually, do you know what? No, you're right. The specifics are, it's all, well, 
It, did you know it's, it's on iPlay already? It lands on iPlay as we speak. We're recording this today, uh, Thursday. It lands yes. on iPlay tomorrow, Friday. So it'll all be there for people to Traders watch. US. Traders US. This is hosted by Alan Cumming. Right. Um, and it takes place where? Filmed in the same place, I think. The so. same castle? I think so. I right. believe so. Then it's going to be airing on uh, BBC Three and BBC One starting the week after next. So if you want to watch it for some strange reason, um, you know, not all in one go, yeah. then you can watch it on those channels as well. But yeah, it's basically on BBC iPlayer now. Good. Yeah. Good. Now I so feel like we've, now we've covered the, news, the actual yeah. news. We've covered the actual yeah. news. Okay, James Dyer okay. will be in season two. <laughs> that's it. That's yeah. it. With my with my Hundy Large, which is what I'm going to get for being on it. Yeah. Okay, time for this week's second guest. You all heard us talk about Welcome to Chippendales on last week's show, which is streaming now on Disney+. Plus. Uh, and I decided to jump on a Zoom call with Kamel Nanjiani, the star of the show, to talk about that show, but also a number of other things, including... Obviously, Four Weddings and a Funeral. And of course, The X-Files. Because why wouldn't I? Uh, I also, and this is absolutely true, I also took the opportunity to ask Kumail, a stand-up comic, to explain to me the concept of humour. Oh, which oh he very oh God, graciously did. Oh, God. He humour-splained to me how comedy works. Oh, what a hero. Yeah, I thought no. so. So that was, that, was, that, was, that was good to me. Yeah, so that was nice. Anyway, here is me and Kumail Nanjiani. Camille, I want to say welcome to the Pilot TV podcast. Obviously, there's lots of exciting things I'm going to talk to you about, about welcome to Chippendales. But if I may, I would like to start with a very serious question about four weddings and a funeral. So I'm a massive Richard Curtis fan, and a I will apologize for Love Actually till the day I die. I absolutely love it. But obviously, Four Weddings is his masterpiece. And it kind of blew my mind when I found out that you were kind of inspired to do stand-up by that film. And specifically, I believe, Hugh Grant's Best Man speech. Like... How, how did that sort of kindle the fire in you? How did that come about? I mean, I watched that movie over and over and over. I've seen that movie more than any other movie. And I just thought what he's doing in that best man speech, it's so, it's really kind of complicated because he's sort of making mistakes on purpose. He's talking about things that he shouldn't be talking about. He's really got a whole persona, you know, when he's doing that. He's sort of playing this, this sort of like blubbering guy. It's, it's, it, it, I was like, these are jokes, but these are jokes being delivered by a character that this character is playing. So Hugh Grant is playing his character who's playing a character doing that. And I watched that speech over and over. It's kind of, it's perfect. It's so, so funny. And I think that's when I first started realizing that when you're on stage doing stand up, it's a persona, you know, you're not just telling jokes, it's about who's telling the jokes. And that's something that is a lesson that I still carry whenever I do even comedic roles. You know, it's not about the jokes, it's really who's telling the jokes, how are you feeling when you're telling the jokes, what's the attitude behind the jokes. And I mean, it's Four Weddings is one of the greatest movies of all time. Oh, I, I agree with you 100%. But that's really interesting what you say. So even when you're not acting a role, even when you're doing stand up, you have a character in mind of of who you're playing, who's delivering this comedy? Well, when I first started doing stand-up uh, for the first five years, I realized years later, I was doing sort of my impression of Hugh Grant doing his best man speech. I was sort of, tr it. you may not catch on if you watch it, the first five years of my stand-up. I don't know how much of it is online. Hopefully none of it. Hopefully none <laughs> of it. But when I look back on it now, but if I told you this was me doing my version of Hugh Grant, it would click. This certain things would make sense. And so I was really playing that 
playing up that character. And I think part of it was, you know, I was nervous to get on stage. So I decided just to play into the nervousness. And that became part of the way I, uh, I, I performed comedy on stage. And then after that, I made a more concerted effort to be closer to who I am off stage. I tried to be more like myself off stage when I was on stage. And so then it's, you still, obviously it's the performance. In fact, it sort of went the other way. I went from a really nervous version of myself on stage to someone who was much more confident than I generally am on stage. Mm -hmm. It kind of flipped. And so the last time I was doing standup, which has now been a couple of years, I haven't done standup in a couple of years now, it was sort of a heightened, more confident version of myself. And even that is uh, a character, you know, even that's a performance. It's fascinating. I mean, because it's really interesting, you know, hearing you talk about that and then seeing the show, because Steve is many, many things, but funny is not one of them, I think it's fair to say, uh, at least not deliberately so. Uh, did you find that aspect of him very interesting? Because he is, he's almost acutely unfunny and in repressed and quite isolated from everyone around him. Was that like what really appealed to you about this? It's sort of what, what was scary to me about it. What, what appealed to me about it was just, I don't know if playing a character who's completely and utterly violently unfunny was part of the appeal of it. I think the appeal of it was playing someone who was bad, who did bad things, a sort of a dramatic role, someone who sort of changes over the course of eight episodes. That's what was exciting. When I said yes, and then I started working on him, realizing that he wasn't funny at all, sort of was scary. You know, I was like, oh no, what have I, what have I signed up for? All the things that I consider my wheelhouse, that I consider my strengths in performance on screen are gone from me. Because I, I know if I'm playing a character, the way I can get an audience on my side is being funny. You know, even you can play an evil character if they're charming and funny, people like them. So I was like, I don't know how I'll get people to connect to this guy when he really doesn't have the things that I usually use to get audiences to connect to my characters. Um, so it was, it was, it wasn't what attracted me to it. Ultimately, I learned to really love that aspect of him, that he's extremely unfunny. I learned to love that, but for a long time, it was very scary. Does it change how you appreciate what you're doing because i imagine that as a comedian like you know when you're funny or not you know when you've got an audience you know when a gag lands when you're doing something that's purely dramatic like what's the measure of whether you think you've pulled it off whether you think you've done a good job it really has to be internal obviously you trust the director and stuff but really the only real gauge is yourself like you said you know when you do comedy people laugh or even when they don't laugh you understand the rhythm of it. I've been doing comedy long enough that even if I'm completely alone in a room and I say something, I'll be like, okay, that was funny or that wasn't quite right. That gauge, in some ways, you're looking through the eyes of the audience at yourself and it happens quick, but but you part of you is always thinking of how the audience is going to experience what you're doing. With dramatic acting, I think the only gauge is whether it feels truthful to you. And you have to learn to trust that. And it takes a little while because in a, a, and the director can say, that was really good. But you know that you cheated. You know that you didn't quite get that moment right. You, you sort of like made a face rather than felt something. So I think that's the single biggest adjustment for me moving from comedy acting to dramatic acting was really trusting my own sense of whether something feels real or not. It's, it's, 
uh, it's much better if there's an external gauge. There should be like a yeah. little meter of truth, zero to 10. Hey, you hit a seven and a half. Okay, let's try one more or it's down to six and a half. You know what? Use the take before it. I'm curious, like when, like, do you think comedy differs depending on the context? So like, like when you have a pure sitcom, which is pure comedy, so it takes place in that slightly heightened world where everything's quite funny, perhaps slightly absurd. And then the kind of comedy you get in a drama, like, you know, I always, the, the go-to I always, I pull out, it's like, you know, the Eddie Murphy comedies from the 1980s where it's a dramatic film like Beverly Hills Cop, but it's really fucking funny all the way through. It's like, do you, do you, do you approach those kind of comedies differently depending on like the context of the humor? I think if you're doing a, you know, if if you talk, think of like the big sick, the movie we did, I realized in watching movies that I think belong in that genre, that the more, the higher the stakes, the funnier that the comedy can be because, because the tension is up really high and a joke can really break it. And I found that in a dramatic work, comedy can sort of help uh, the emotionality of a thing because comedy helps you drop your guard. So in a way, in in those things, comedy is a means to an end because you can make a joke, people laugh, and then suddenly something emotional happens and now their guard's down and they can really feel it a lot more. In a comedy, the the, the humor is just the end in itself. Yeah. I find that to be more challenging to do. Sort of joke machines, you know, a show like 30 Rock or something that's just like a hundred great jokes every episode. For me, that's challenging. I don't really know how to write jokes like that that are very, very funny. That would be funny written on a piece of paper, you know. For me, I think something that's a more grounded in drama and stakes and relationships and then having the comedy come from that. I understand that a little bit more. The other stuff I find intimidating. Like, you know, it took me a long time to realize that I'm not good at writing sketch comedy and to be okay with that because I have so many friends who can do it and I felt like I should be able to do it I should be able to do these kinds of characters and write these kinds of five minute scenes that are really funny and then I had to be like you know what that's not my strength and that's okay it that that sort of premise comedy while I really love it I, it's it's not my strength. Do you think delivery then is is like so much of a few, like a high percentage of what it is, rather than seeing it on the page? It's all about how you present the material. I think so, and I think I have a good sense of knowing what is funny coming from my mouth and what isn't. And so, if I'm doing a movie and I see a line, I can say this is a funny line. However, coming out of my face, it's not funny. I don't know how to make <laughs> that funny. If I change the word slightly then I know I can make it funny. Then that's my rhythm. I think that's one of the things I've gotten good at over the years, you know, of doing so much stand-up is understanding what I can make funny and what I can't make funny. That's that's really interesting stuff. And as we said, like, this is as far away from that as you can get. Because this is like your Breaking Bad, isn't it? Like, Steve is your Walter White. Kind of, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, that's such a... That was one of the reasons I decided to do the show because obviously Breaking Bad, one of the greatest shows of all time, I'm not really taking a big chance by saying that <laughs> I love that show. Obviously, everyone loves that show because it's objectively great. And I was like, if I have a chance to do my version of Walter White over the course of eight episodes, I have to take it. 
I mean, who who would turn that down? It's a it's a great idea. But you're with him from the beginning, like because he's kind of like there's a there's a almost like an innocence to him early on. Obviously, that doesn't last. But you root for him quite a long way through the show before you kind of think, you know what, this is not a good guy. Yeah, I think the innocence of him actually comes from the same place that sort of the bad stuff comes from him later, which is an emotional immaturity. So in the beginning, the innocence of him, which comes out as enthusiasm or giddiness at having a access to success or something it's that same emotional immaturity later that leads him to do the bad thing so i felt it would be really interesting to have a character where the reason you root for him in the beginning is exactly the reason you dislike him at the end it's not the ways he changes that makes you change how you feel about him it's the ways in which he doesn't change i think that makes you change the way you feel about him yeah his self-esteem and like his sense of self seems to be so tied to his business success like, and I, I found really interesting watching this that it is a true crime story it's about murder it's about strippers it's about drugs it's about betrayal all that good stuff but it's not it's about the american dream right like and as a british person i find that concept fascinating that anyone can become someone if they put in enough hard work and they kind of embrace capitalism but it's unsustainable. And that's what we see here. It leads to kind of greed and exponential growth. And I'm just curious from your point of view, as someone who sort of is an immigrant to the US, like how do you see that concept of the American dream? Like what's your perspective on it? I mean, I think you really nailed it. I think it's trying to define your self sense of self by external success. That's always going to lead to despair. There's just no way. I think you somehow have to find your sense of self within yourself. You have to be, you can't have other people's opinion of you color how you see yourself, even though it's a little bit unavoidable. But for him, I think the only way he can look in the mirror is if he's wearing expensive clothes. And that's never going to work. I think the sort of scariest part of the American dream is this, is the idea that it's never enough. And I think Steve sort of falls prey to that. You know, if at a certain point he'd been like, wow, I've built something pretty big. Other people also deserve some credit for it. This is good. This is enough. But I think a big part of the American dream is that you need to be more successful today than you were yesterday. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where you get into trouble. And that's something that I'm very aware of. You know, I, I want my work to be challenging and exciting to me, but it's also my my personal life is very important to me as well. One thing I do want to ask you, I've got to let you go in just a minute, but something I do want to ask, we talk a lot about these sort of big mythologies and great TV, because we're in an era of fantastic TV at the moment. Obviously, The X-Files was pivotal to leading us into this period. You yourself have hosted a podcast on The X-Files where you've looked at this. So, so as an expert, do you think it like holds up? Do you think the mythology now holds up compared to the stuff that we're watching these of days? Of The X-Files? Yes, yeah. it really, really holds up. I think the reason it holds up is those two performances, you know, David Duchovny and Gillian Anderson, the performances are so good and their characters are so specific. I think that's the reason it holds up. The interesting thing about it is that conspiracy theories have sort of gone from like a fun, fun lark to things that have kind of actual negative effects in our real life. So that aspect of it, I think, is interesting. And I think if, if X-Files does come back, that's something that could, that could explore our relationship to conspiracy theories. You know, for me, it was interesting, like, ooh, there's aliens, the government is hiding stuff, to now these conspiracy theories having real negative effects on our lives and sort of being a part of actual headline news. 
I think exploring that could be could be interesting because they've gone from something that's like fun thought experiments to unfortunately something that's much more real. But I think the show still really holds up because those characters are so good. I mean, I still rewatch episodes all the time and it's and it feels like no time has gone past gone by at all. But it's all about the standalone ones now. I feel early on we were all about the conspiracy, you know, when it first aired. But now it's just the standalone ones are the best ones, right? Well, the standalone ones are really good. But I think the conspiracy ones up until about season five, up until the first movie, it yeah. builds really, really well. And I think the movie kind of, in a way, ends that storyline really well. I think later when they keep trying to sort of going back to that conspiracy, I think sometimes it starts getting a little complicated. But... Up until season five, the mythology is really good. All the stuff with Crycheck and the Black Goo and all that stuff and the bees. It's really, really great. And then the standalones, of course, are really fantastic, too. Amazing. Well, Kamal, thanks very much for your time. It's much appreciated. Thank you. Thanks for talking to me. Right. Let us have reviews. And we begin this week with Chemistry of Death on Paramount+, Plus, which adapts the crime novel by Simon Beckett and stars Harry Treadaway as Dr. David Hunter, who's a forensic psychologist who's hung up his test tubes to become a local doctor, only for a woman to turn up dead in his sleepy village. Kay, was Chemistry of Death a winning formula or a big old batch of H2NO? Oh, God. Wow. Oh, God. <laughs> what an intro. I'm going full Sorry. partridge this week. I should be warned. Uh-huh. I really enjoyed this. And in no small part, down to um, Harry Treadaway, who I then obsessively Googled. First of all, I thought it was Luke Treadaway, so I was Googling Luke for a lot of the show. Well, they're twins. twins. Yeah, yes. yeah, yeah. Yes. I mean, so it's fair. Yeah, to, it's, to mix them up is fair. fair. Yeah. I, I'm not, no, that's fine that I mixed it up. It's okay. more that I wasted my time researching oh. the wrong brother. <laughs> James, I didn't realise he's in your favourite show, Star Trek. He is indeed. Mm. Not so uh, much anymore. And also, it was Picard season one. Okay, fine. I mean, like, okay. I, mean I was, I was being polite two. by just bringing yeah. into that part of the thing. Yeah, yeah thank you. Yeah. Thank you for the uh, inclusivity. <laughs> I really enjoyed it. Not least because I found it educational. So I didn't really know what a forensic anthropologist was. I don't know if you guys did. Well, Gil Grissom, I think you'll find, Kay, was a forensic anthropologist. So we all know that they are like bug men. (laughs) Fine, fine, fine. It was just me. But um, like the machinations of death, within four minutes, a body um, starts to decompose. Who knew that? I'm decomposing now. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, trust me, I started at the beginning of this record. Um, But yeah, I really enjoyed it because I think David Hunter is a really engaging lead. And I think Harry in that role is incredibly... Also, if you're going to hunt criminals, be called Dr. Hunter. Yeah. Because it's quite on the nose. Yeah, say what you see. But I think he is just the right level of complex and right level of tortured soul without being cliched. And so when I was watching it, I was thinking, oh my God. And not just because I have a soft spot for Harry. I was like, oh God, this guy would be really good. This character would be really good for a series to see more more of it. And I didn't realise then that actually this is what's happening. That is two stories in like, so the first episode, second episode is covering the first novel by uh, Simon Beckett. And then the third episode, which I've watched, this is how you know I really got into it because I watched all three episodes that were available to us. Okay. And yeah, I think it, I can't wait for the rest of the other series to come out because I think he's a great lead character and the case was very intriguing and I have to say at first you know it was it was nice but it's episode 2 there's an unexpected turn of events which I was then really enthralled by because I was like okay I didn't see that coming and yeah I won't I won't spoil it anymore but it was good the only thing I wasn't as keen on was the teacher 
Not least, obviously, because she was the love interest, but also because <laughs> she... Kate um, and Harry sitting in Jealous of a fictional yeah. character. No, he, he's was, the Harry you've been yeah. watching on TV this uh, yeah, week. Exactly. Oh, yeah, exactly. Um, no, it just felt like she was too She was too obvious a device, at, you know, delivering exposition. You know, who, who this village her? is like a pressure cooker. I don't know. I, I oh, didn't even I take note of her name know. or the character course, name. Yeah, fine. She didn't exist to me. I, so it's I two really episodes, it. a case, like which is similar to the um, the Amazon Prime thing, Prime Video one with uh, what's his name? <laughs> I've forgotten the name. Of it. God, that was really useful, wasn't it? Um, <laughs> Alfred Molina. Alfred Molina, exactly. Yes. Thank you. What was the name of that show? I was really hoping you wouldn't ask oh, me that. Sorry. Let's, let's just Google it now. Come on, blind leading the blind. Keep this in. Um, Alfred Molina. While you're looking up, I yeah. can say it was very. I really like the opening, clever opening credits as well, and the beautiful yes, aerial good. shots, yes. which actually yes, um, is. Similar for The Last of Us. So this week's, you mm. know. Oh, everyone loves an aerial shot these yeah, days. Yeah, it's great. They're, they're but also, all, I just all, really three smart. pines. Three pines. Three pines. Two, yes. Was a murder every two episodes. It was. It, it was, was. A different story every so, two episodes. Yeah. Similar format to and the trailer. And similarly, forest based kind of lands. Because this is very, it reminded me a bit of Dublin Murders, the Phelps. Yeah, it's yes. very woody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Woody. Lots of trees, mm. disappearing things in trees, and murders, and the perversity of the murder victims mm. and yeah. the way they're kind of laid out, etc. They're mutilated. Grim. and there's feathers involved yeah which is also a bit like um, Hannibal a lot yeah. of stuff like that went on, on in Hannibal the TV series <laughs> just shrugged <laughs> what the fuck's no, Hannibal no. famous Hannibal lady you may have heard of him um, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> uh, so it reminded me of lots of different things but I enjoyed it as well it is kind of all about him yeah. being a very he's an unusual um, protagonist in is. this world isn't he yeah. he's not your usual detective slash solver of crime that's why I like it though he, his reluctance uh, often the reluctance to kind of get involved is so cliche isn't it and they go like, oh yeah but we really need we really need you we really need you go exactly but he's really like no I'm not fucking doing it yeah. <laughs> but you know what That actually, I don't know if you've seen episode 2 no because it yeah it is a bit obviously laboured. in the end he does yeah yeah, yeah, no, no. yeah okay. it is laboured in episode 1 but in episode right. 2 and as he goes on to the next case then he drops right. out because obviously that is a bit annoying yeah uh, but Samuel Anderson uh, from uh, is in it is, is, the, is the one detective yeah. who's trying to get him more Involved. Yeah, I like him. He's really good. Mm. I like it. Was showing a really that's a, it's the, it's kind of look. There's a, there are certain shows that have this look now, which are, I don't know, just slightly saturated, not vivid color, almost like there's almost like it's a little period. desaturated. Yeah, yeah. Desaturated. it has a that's slightly yeah. It's the opposite right. of the saturated. Yeah. saturated. Yeah, it does have a desaturated yeah. vibe to it, like which almost churchy. a little bit. Yeah, but more so in this case. But like, imagine if it was like a seventies thing shot on like sixteen right. mil. Like it has that yes, kind of feel exactly. to it, but it's not. Yeah, Johnson and just the lighting, it's very like woozy, Muted. summer kind yeah. of rural yeah. thing going on. I yeah. think it was filmed genuinely on location in Suffolk and North in around wood. that east coast mm. part in the, in in the, the woody area. <laughs> yeah. um, so visually, it's really, I thought it yeah. looked great. Um, and that's and that's not just Hunky Harry, that's just the whole... Exactly. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Well, obviously, <laughs> obviously yeah. Harry's hunky, that goes yeah. without saying. But the actual, yeah, the trees and, and that, as you say, those big overhead shots, um, mm. which are, which are all, all, all the rage, as we said. And it's almost like too many of them, I might might say right, why do you hate got, trees yeah. I, I don't hate trees I love trees I don't, I don't hate I just find it's a bit it's becoming a bit of yeah. a cliche to have that many I tell you what's a cliche in crime drama is an, a big overhead whatever it's called camera what are they called um, drone Cam- drones yeah. or helicopter depending or helicopter, on your budget watching a car Drive from yeah, yeah, in the air, yeah, yeah. driving to its destination. Yeah. That is used a lot in yeah. every crime drama on TV. So this was a bit like that. But I did enjoy it. I particularly, I thought, yeah, pretty different the look of it and him 
He's the key to it. He was interesting. Yeah. yeah. A genuinely ludicrous title, The Chemistry of Death. Well, it's, both, it's the book based title, on the book. Although yeah. we've taken out the the. So this is Chemistry, chemistry of Death. Of the death. book is yeah. The Chemistry of Death. Exactly. The definite article was the first victim of the killer. Yes, which is such a James point. Oh of my pedantry. God. But I too, I, I'm with you. Yeah, I was like, oh. Yeah, Chemistry of Death. The Chemistry of Death. Yes, that is a very James such point. A and shout out to Suki Fisher, who did all the who did the adaptation of the books. Because I think that, like, I thought she did a good job of making it kind of coherent and believable and... Interesting. Mm. Yeah, it's quite fun. I, like, I'm, I like. It was fine. Like, it wasn't. And I don't mean that in a. Oh, it was fine. No, it was good. It was good. It was yeah. good. Uh, it didn't. It didn't suck me. And I don't think quite. I mean, Harry's charms were perhaps a little less <laughs> impactful. <laughs> no, it didn't suck me in. <laughs> did some. Well, I'm I steady. Think, I'm that's steady. A different, that's a different I, I mean, kind James, of show. I don't think you said me in. Really? So did I, think, I forget yeah, the just, me in? I'm, uh, yeah, I like to. Uh, I don't know if that's a Freudian slip or not. I don't know what that is. <laughs> As you were anyway. talking about Harry. Well, anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, who knows? It's all gone in a very unexpected direction. Tell you, the wood was great. The wood was, it was a I mean, really you've good gone wood. from that to the wood. Yeah. Okay, yeah. fine. That'll be on the post. Really enjoyed the wood. The wood it was great. <laughs> it was great. <laughs> okay. Uh, for this kind of quality content, do sign up to Pilot Plus. No, um, uh, well, anyway, that was Chemistry of Death, and Chemistry of Death airs on Paramount Plus. When does it air, Boyd? Oh, I because I don't that. have my calendar out. I've got my magazine. Oh, magazine hang on, no, me. okay. On Tell you what, we'll have a race. We'll go first. We'll have a race. Quick, quick, Come quick. on. I'm Come back on. in Boyd. I'm Come racing. Boyd. I'm racing. Thursday. Damn it. Yes. Thursday, the 19th of January. That is right. The Chemistry of the Death. <laughs> the Chemistry of the Death. Brilliant. Chemistry of Death then. Next up, we have <laughs> Maternal, which you've already heard a lot about, but this one, as I've mentioned, does star Parminder Nagra, Laura Pulver, and Lisa McGrillis as a trio of doctors returning to work at a hospital after maternity leave with mixed results. A show that we are featuring on this show Frankly, in, from my point of view, under sufferance. But let's get on to that in a minute. <laughs> oh Boydy, God. would you give this a, wait for it, C-section or an A-plus section? Oh, wow. <laughs> I think this week is particularly bad. Yeah. <laughs> the reason James, I think, is watching this under uh, what, duress, duress is, is, yeah. is part of his whole snobby anti-ITV <laughs> thing that's been going on ever since we started this fucking podcast, <laughs> frankly, where he judges what a show, but what channel is on. I even don't know though, what you're talking about. I know, even though it's really unfair we've already had loads you of examples you told me I told, when we said okay so yep. listeners listen, just to pull right. back the pilot TV curtain okay. a are bit. you sure you want to do this yes when okay. we were going to do this when we were going to cover this show Boyd suddenly prefaced with this we're going to cover this but you're going to hate it yeah I did say that <laughs> that is literally how you yeah. began this yeah. yeah you had foresight yeah I did have foresight because okay. I know which way because I know how yeah how small minded you are um, <laughs> the, anyway but what's interesting what this is a really classic textbook example of a show that could have been judged very differently with a slightly different... I'll, t- I'll tell you what I mean, I'm, ra- sl- I'm rambling already, but <laughs> why it struck me watching this, I really liked it, basically, bottom line. I think it's I think it's, feels authentic. It's written by Jackie Honus Martin, who I believe worked in the NHS. Is that right, Kay? I think so. Uh, you're on your own. Uh, okay. I think she did. Um, she knows what she's talking If she didn't, she's done a brilliant job because it very, feels very authentic and real. The three leads, Parmid and Nagra, who we heard Kay's brilliant interview with, Lara Paul, Vanessa McGregor, are all excellent. Mm. And they're kind of contrasting women, but they're all kind of dealing with the whole juggle, that cliche of yeah. juggling life, children particularly. I thought the scenes where they're dealing with their fucking various kids, pain in the ass kids, were so like brutally realistic. <laughs> yeah. I really, I was like, you've really done a good job. Yeah. And it's quite harsh. Like, 
without spoiling it, what happens to certain patients? How these people, these doctors and nurses deal with them? It doesn't soft soap this whole whole world of, and it feels particularly tropical, obviously, because the NHS is going through a complete, particularly nightmarish time as we speak. So I felt as a depiction of the realities of life on a hospital ward mm. for these, you know, these these kind of heroic people and the kind of conflicts that take place between them. I thought it was really really good. What struck me though was well, I started going on about at the beginning of my of my long lengthy review is that with slight tweaks this could be just like this is going to hurt you know the brilliant which I think you did appreciate how good yes. that show was right but in all, in all the differences, really, it's almost as in the in slight directorial choices. Almost the music, the music in this, and I apologise if if it just so happens that whoever did the music for this composed music is listening. I mean, it's unlikely. I thought the music was terrible. The opening scene where they all where it introduces the three characters as they're on their way to work, particularly Parmenid and August's character after a long period off for various mm. reasons. It's got this kind of jaunty, almost like comedic music. You know oh, that right. I hate comedy music, and even in a comedy, you know, where they do a jaunty, you're supposed to be a bit and find this bit funny or kind of like, you know, jaunty and it had that quality to it, the music. And then it's very clunky all the way through. When there's a kind of grim bit, the music goes really, really badly grim. It uses some songs and some like needle drops that I thought were terrible. Sorry. But if I'm being overly harsh about you, so what I mean is some a slightly different musical choice. Even in that opening montage with these three characters going ready to get back to their work in the in actress would have made it a completely different feeling kind of show. I feel like someone ITV's gone, and I don't know this at all, but just watching it, you feel like they've gone, look, this is a nine o'clock Monday night show. Oh, it's all right, you can be hot, you can show the grim reality of the NHS, but you have to soften it a bit a just bit with the musical. Yeah. And they don't and it's like no I, I think it's a really good show by the way. Even without that slight difference that would have turned into this is going to or something like it, it hasn't quite got the really dark humour of this is going to, but it's got its moments. But overall, I think it's a really, really good show. That if it was on fucking Channel Four, even would probably be taken more seriously or given more kudos. I think that's really interesting that point you made about the music. Mm. Maybe that's because when I first started watching it, like I overall really liked it as well. Mm. When it first started, I felt like it was a bit soapy. Yeah. You know? And I think that's maybe that's. But you're why. not allowed to say that, Kate, because when I say that, I get told off. <laughs> yeah, but you're being a twat when you say it. Um, but yeah, but the, but the thing is, it starts off like that because they're, they're in a rush to all drop their kids at nursery, you know, partly feeling joy, partly feeling guilt, mm. et cetera. That's, you know, very authentic. And then, but maybe it's the music that makes it feel a bit cliched. But then. As soon as they get to the hospital, it becomes this compelling emotional yeah. drama, very authentic and real. Three of them give really credible performances and are believable. I particularly like Lisa McGrillis's character, she's who's great. Helen. She's so good. She, Lisa um, yeah. she is. Uh, so who is she? She's a registrar in acute medicine. And her particular scenario is that she's going back to work. They're all going back after maternity leave. And she faces the prospect of being on rotation with the female doctor that her boss and consultant husband has been shagging. And, you know, it's like, she was so good in that role, mm. I thought, you know, yeah. and everything she was feeling, I won't go into like any, to reveal any more would be to spoil it, but <laughs> I thought she was brilliant. And I thought they did such a good job at not only depicting the um, issues that working mums generally feel, the mum guilt, the, you know, lack of support, et cetera, but also 
the mums returning to the front line and the emotional and mental stresses they have dealing with all the things they see working in a hospital. So, yeah, I, I, I enjoyed it, but I do take your point about the music. James. James. Well, tell us. Now, come on. come on. I really liked it. Oh! So, uh, I thought it was great. And, and oh my God. I was rather shocked by this fact. But partly because I think their three stories are really interesting. I think they're great characters. Solara Pulver plays a, you know, she, again, registrar, but she's very, she's quite posh. She's a single mother. She's raising a child she's on a her own. She's, she's a surgeon. Yes, mm. that's right. You know, Parminder Nagra has a husband who's kind of supportive, but also... Mm, expected her to sort of ease her way back in. But of mm. course, it, the way this is sort of put together is not only are we dealing with the fact that the NHS is in crisis, we're dealing with the fact that it's it's in the aftermath of a pandemic and they deal with mm. both of these things. So you're dealing with people, you know, these, these three women who have the juggle first and foremost, but they're also juggling an NHS which is on its knees. And so you're thrown into this world, which even if you took out the parenting would be compelling and fascinating in the same way that this is going to hurt was. But then you throw in the whole parenting thing, it's a completely separate personal character-led angle to it. And I thought those two things sat together really, really well. I thought the performance were fantastic. I love the fact that I say Lisa McGrillis' character, her husband's an absolute shit weasel, and you know, so you were just like, oh, I'm gonna punch him in the face. The same shit weasel who plays in in uh, Motherland. Oh her yes, husband. yes, yeah, he's very good at being a shit. Yes, weasel. he is. He we has should. big shit weasel energy. Yes. He's actually yes, insane. he's yeah. dreadful. But yeah, but I really and again, Laura Paul for the the relationship she has with this one of like a fellow surgeon, and then the the father of her child. I thought that was very poignant. Really, yeah. but really handled in a very sort of emotionally sensitive and real way. Like it wasn't archetypal. It wasn't like, a, you know, deadbeat dad or anything like that. It just felt very human and very believable. I don't want to go into the details. I don't want to spoil mm. it. But I felt this was emotionally honest at every yeah. point. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Which really surprised me. Wow, so I thought s- they had I'm a real... So really I'm overjoyed to hear you Especially say this. Especially because you did a brilliant reverse threat where you started out like implying <laughs> yeah. that you were going to still hate it. I thought it I'd like, hate it. I was, I said, no, I've got to watch this shit that boys are making yeah. watch. So I was like, oh, wow. I came out, I was like, this is extraordinarily well written yeah. and extremely well performed. And yeah. I just, yeah, Oliver I thought Chris it was really good. Oliver Chris is the shit weasel, by the way. Yeah. Yeah, he's brilliant. That's shit Excellent weasel, shit weasel. He's fantastic, yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, just even, yeah I, oh my God, I'm so... Pleased that you liked it, yeah. But did you know? Did you did you notice the music at all in that video? No, do you know what? I actually didn't. So the, no, I can't remember yeah, the music at yeah. all. I, I, as I was watching, I was thinking, this James is going to hate this because it's it's all very jaunty and. and <laughs> to be fair, I didn't but, notice yeah, the no, music, no, but no, now that you enough. said it, yeah. there must have been something because. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah. But this isn't like to me. This doesn't have because the things that I dislike, as you know, are things that as Carefer feel a bit soapy or broad or yes. those are things that rub me up the wrong way. Whereas this had punch to it. Like, I'm not saying this felt like oh yeah, this is proper peak TV or anything like that, but I. I just think this is a really good, compelling, dramatic piece. It's quite very, it's got really dry comedy to it as yeah. well, which lands yeah. very well. Uh, and I'd say all the performances are great. And yeah, I, I enjoyed it enormously. So well, that's, that's that's exciting. Yeah, it is I think really, we're all just really reeling yeah. from the yeah. shock of James liking an ITV show. You know, Completely. I like to be unpredictable. Of course, those of you who do subscribe to Pilot Plus will know that there was a bit of an upset yeah. when we were talking about the rig and our flag means death. I won't spoil it here, but there was a little yeah. bit of uh, mm-hmm. intrigue there. What goes we on say? in Pilot TV Plus stays in Pilot <laughs> That's right. Plus. Unless That's you right. subscribe. Unless you subscribe. Yeah. Unless you subscribe. But uh, yes, yeah, so maternal then, which lands on ITV today, the 16th of January. Right, last and by no means least, <laughs> we have the, glee. the main event, a show that I may or may not have mentioned once or twice. Uh, it is HBO's The Last of Us, the adaptation of the Naughty Dog PlayStation game, which sees a man and a girl, played by Pedro Pascal as Joel and Bella Ramsey as Ellie, travelling together across this post-apocalyptic America that's been ravaged by a parasitic fungus. Okay, <laughs> is this A... 
the show of the year, <laughs> or B, the, the greatest show, show ever made. <laughs> right. I'm well. I'm going to surprise you. I think. Not you're not the only one who can surprise us. Go on, right? Hit me with it. I did not hate this. <laughs> <laughs> I did not, guys. I did not. I was worried about it. I thought, oh god, I'm going to have to watch another one of James's like nerdy shows. <laughs> but I tell you what, for and I think this is, is on a serious note for anyone who isn't maybe doesn't watch the shows that James watches, isn't a gamer, et cetera, et cetera. This isn't prohibitively geeky. <laughs> and you don't need to know the... Because we did another show, I can't remember, I was trying to think of what the name was, which was also, which was based in a game. What was that one? Do you remember? Oh, yeah. Was that the Prime Video one with uh, that you liked? Set in the future a bit. Yeah. Oh, peripheral. 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 Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So yes, that, peripheral. to me, was just too much. And it was like, involved too much, like... Not enough background. pottery. <laughs> <laughs> background knowledge and stuff like that but with this I felt like you know you don't have to have that knowledge it was you know very easy to understand everyone got it you know post-apocalyptic world flesh-eating zombies etc I found it compelling and I think a lot of this a lot of my enjoyment and the reason why I was so hooked was the performance of Pedro Pascal and his character and I thought you know, he did a good job of creating this character who was, you know, stressed out, grieving dad, um, then had a young child foisted upon him, having to then get her across America. And I was engaged in the story. What I was not engaged in was the length of, you know, the first episode. Right? <laughs> the feature length first episode. Yeah. <laughs> oh my God, you are best but, successor yeah, in every way. Yeah. Criticism. But, yeah. but the thing is, like, I, un I understand why they had to have it to kind of get across all the backstory and like create this world and stuff like that. But I mean, it would be a lie to say my attention wasn't waning <laughs> after the hour mark. It, it's not what I would describe as your natural habitat, no. this show. But I can be open minded like you can. Oh, yes, as, as I have as demonstrated. Mm, yes. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I I enjoyed it. I won't be watching anymore, but I enjoyed this first episode. This is an, it was interesting for me because obviously I've been listening to you, James, banging on about it for literally years sure. now. So I was fully primed. I'm not. I don't. I've never played the game. I don't. If I I can't play games because it would take up too much of my time. Was just spent watching <laughs> yeah, TV, far too much time and, watching yeah. the traitors and the pottery show. Exactly, yes, I understand. Yeah. So it would ruin my life if I started <laughs> playing games like this. So, but I've been aware of the whole thing. And to start with, first of all, I think it's really interesting that Craig Mazin, Mazin, Mazin was, yeah, yeah, Mazin of Chernobyl fame. Yep. I feel like it's co-written with him, isn't it? And, and Neil Druckmann, who invented yep, the game, co-showrunners, co-showrunners. And I feel like the stuff, so the framing, the first episode begins with a multiple flashbacks to establish the science behind the idea that this fungus is taken yes. over humans. Because oh, cordyceps is a real thing. Right. Yeah. So it's a real fungus, isn't it? Yeah, but, yeah, but it, it, it hasn't. affects yeah, ants, it's not humans. Taken over humans. Yes. So they very, those things are very clever, those recreations of like chat show, discussion shows. 70 yeah. chat TV. show where yeah. they smoke in the studio. Brilliant. With John Hanna. Yeah, John Hanna, yeah. And then in episode two, or, or three, one of which or two or three, there's another opening bit, which is where the Indonesian, is that Jakarta, right, scientist, yeah. is, is kind of removed from a cafe. And that was even more brilliantly handled, just as a fantastic kind of way into explaining more about how the outbreak of this horrendous kind of life and humanity-threatening um, thing, this apocalypse essentially, how it happened and that is brilliantly handled again and you can really sense how what amazing is still amazing is how Greg Mazin who did such a brilliant job making Chernobyl seem so real was responsible for the Hangover films yeah, I still I can't it's get to grips with that that dissonance between those 
different types of film or show. But to be honest with you, having watched the first two episodes, I was slightly disappointed. I, I thought it was brilliantly made, brilliantly made, <laughs> like beautiful to, to look at. You know, you know, the budget is a proper, and it's an HBO budget they've invested. I think it has, what, 180, I have a million, many million. Well, I think Pedro Pascal got half a million an episode. Oh, alone, there you go. So. Yeah, right. Um, he deserves it. But it's all there on screen as well. And I think the cast is brilliant. He is fantastic. I love him in, in, anyway and everything. Bella Ramsey as the teenager who he has to escort across America is fantastic. You know, she's got a lot of kind of sweary, spoilt kind of qualities to it. But even though she is really annoying in many ways, she's also brilliant um, at it. And Anna Torv, who's phenomenal. She was brilliant in Mindhunter. Who's a, and, and, and Fringe. Fringe, fantastic. So they're the, uh, the core trio and there's lots of supporting cast as well. But do you know what? I did think after in the episode two is, is that there's a lot of kind of like traveling around with you're waiting a quite a long time for the zombified thing beasts to attack and it felt a little bit like you know the walking dead to be honest like oh and it's, sorry yeah, i haven't finished yet I've, this is the this is the preface to what i'm about to say okay i got i was slightly like is it really that much different to the walking dead it's, it's essentially it's a zombie thing right I mean, they're infected they're, but they're carry infected, on all right but still they, they are you know and even in fact there's a line of dialogue actually in one of the episodes about how the zombies she calls them i think bella ramsey's character does acknowledge almost you, you know to her they are zombies Having said all that, episode three is a fucking masterpiece. <laughs> and that changed everything. So I'm so glad. And I literally, I almost didn't watch episode three. Yeah. Then I saw partially reference, probably from you, <laughs> saying, oh, episode three is brilliant. Episode three, which is it's not so much a standalone, it just takes time to step back for, by and large, most of its running time to establish the story of two particular characters who are absolutely fascinating and fantastic and are played by Murray Bartlett, <gasps> yes, and Nick Offerman. And by the way, this got me thinking tangentially, side sidebar, mm. but there aren't many actors, like particularly Murray Bartlett and Nick Offerman, who have been in this many peak TV, yeah. brilliant yeah. TV shows. I mean, their CVs, fucking a Murray Bartlett in The White Lotus. Mm -hmm. He's also in Welcome, the, to, Chippendale. Welcome to Chippendales. Yeah. He was in Looking. He has done an endless series of brilliant TV shows. Farscape. For, uh, and that. <laughs> uh, Nick Offerman in um, in uh, Devs, yeah. right? And they've been in, also been in loads of brilliant, brilliant shows. Fantastic. So this episode features these two characters <laughs> played by those people. <laughs> um, it's just incredible. Uh, it, it's just and it's not like how long's the episode like, hmm? how long's the third episode oh it's like about an hour They're so all, it's oh, over an hour it's okay. about an hour and ten yeah. right They're, so yeah after, I think the first episode's featured then the others of different lengths but it's such a, and I don't know I haven't, I haven't played the game I don't know how much that this is part of the game or yeah. what I'll leave that up to you to uh, talk about or not just not to spoil it but it's just a brilliant episode of TV an absolutely phenomenal episode. I'll stop my rambling it's fucking amazing and so then uh, now I'm now I'm on board if, if, if it's going to keep up that level just of performance writing surprising storytelling then yeah this may not end up being my show of the year but it, but will. it will surprise me if it isn't <laughs> it surprise all of us uh, and it's not, okay, look, so my relationship with this is that the, the video game is for me one of the most profound stories I have ever seen told. And the interactive element sort of like is a part of that, but the story is incredibly powerful. Obviously, I'm, I'm a sucker for your old post-apocalyptic setting. This adaptation for me exceeded any and all expectations for what I wanted it to be. So, you know, the game feels to me almost like a perfect piece of storytelling in and of its own self, you know, and, and to recast those characters to tell this story again, I kind of felt you couldn't possibly do it justice. But what they've done here, which is genius, which is they've taken this game narrative and they have perfectly adapted it for 
the television medium. Like they, episode three is a perfect example of something that they took something that works in a game, in a survival horror kind of game, and then they turned it into something which works in a TV narrative and actually fills out the narrative and actually gives you information. And it, again, the very beginning, the, the 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 prologue, and I won't spoil it for anyone who hasn't uh, played the game, the prologue of The Last of Us is very famous. They do different things with another prologue here as well. It's incredible. They are incredibly faithful to the game when they need to be, and then they go in different directions and expand on it when they need to do that. And I just think knowing when to do the one thing, when to do the other thing, required such a deep understanding of the appeal of this source material, which you would expect from the guy who literally wrote and directed the game, and then another guy, Craig Mason, who loves the game almost more than any other game. And I just think it, it's, it was so wonderful and it is so affecting. Like, it, like Jenny, I was in floods of tears last night. I went to the the IMAX to see like an, uh, an immersive screening of it. Did you actually cry? Oh, absolutely. And well, frankly, like if you do not it. cry in the first episode of The Last of Us, then you are a sociopath and that is just science. So absolutely I mean, I 100% true. Did you boys? Well, that's because you're no. a monster, Kay. Uh, it's just... <laughs> I it cried is... in the third episode, but not the first episode. Oh, the first episode. Anyway, I'm not no. going to go into any... Spoilers, but if you know, you know. And it's just masterful. So I went and saw it at the IMAX. It, was a, it, was, it actually was an immersive screening. So they had like people running around as clickers and stuff, oh, and people God, in character. They? It was all a bit full on. The whole place was done up like post-apocalypse and stuff. It was uh, it was kind of cool. <laughs> oh, no. And we got to see that. And I was sitting, and sitting behind me, on the road behind me, was Peter Hoare, the director of episode three, who I was introduced yeah. to. And of course, bowed down because I was not worthy to share space with him because he was yeah. amazing. You're not worthy. Uh, it was, I mean... You know what else Peter Hoare directed, by the way? Do tell me, boy. It's a sin. Oh, yes. And he's Russell T. Davis's go-to director now because he's also directed Nolly, the Russell T. Davis's next show, Ooh. and he worked on Doctor Who. So I'm just saying, yeah. There well, you go. he did this, yeah. and he did episode three yeah. of this. There are two types of people who will be obviously watching this: people who have played the games, like myself, and I don't think they will be disappointed. Like it delivers everything you want it to deliver from a Last of Us TV show. It doesn't fumble the ball once. It does wonderful things, little Easter eggs that you'll love. Episode eight is marvelous. Episode three is marvelous. The finale is also marvelous. Is episode eight better than three? No, it's different. And again, it's one of things, episode eight is one of these things where if you haven't played the games, it probably won't mean a great deal to you. Whereas three, I think, transcends whether you've played yeah, it or not. Completely. Whereas if you play the games, eight is like, you probably won't be expecting it. And it's actually, it's a great thing to happen. Um, is there anything that isn't marvellous about this? No. Like, is yeah. there, have you got any no, there criticism? Isn't. Me, I have no you. criticisms. Uh, well, oh. okay. I, I'm going to, you haven't, what, two things. One yeah. is, if you haven't played the game, yes. it, it, uh, do you get my point, though, that to start with, it is, yes. what is the big difference between this so, and The Walking Dead, so, for example, and any zombie survival? Well, thing? I think in this, the, the thing that this has going for it, and which the game had, it has an emotional honesty that I don't think you encounter that regularly in this type of genre of television, where it is so emotionally raw. And I can't talk about the reasons why, frankly, because I it's you, plot I, I know what you mean. You, yeah. when, it's all about people dying, and when people die in, 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 sure. in a there's, genre there's, thing, often it's not, you don't, it, it's not to have much of yeah. an impact because people are dying their front sure. center. This is there all about go. death and grief and yeah. all sorts of things, but, but it's, it's a very complex, emotionally raw story, and lots of things happen all the way through it, and there are so many body blows that come from watching this where you're just like oof and at the end of it you're just like feel cr like the emotional weight of it is massive in a way that The Walking Dead never was even right. when Glenn got okay. his head stove in by yeah, Negan enough. my second question is what is the actual what point what, is there any more depth to it than that because I agree with you that it's emotionally very powerful and resonant but I did keep thinking you know 
I like The Leftovers, which has kind of got some really interesting things to say about society in a post-apocalyptic world or in, in a world affected by this much yeah. death and trauma. It It's constantly like asking you these really interesting questions. Yeah. I'm not sure this is, it doesn't feel that way to start with, at least it's, to me. It's not that type of show. I think this okay. is a character Sorry. study. It okay. is a study on certain states of mind and it has an understanding of the effect of adverse circumstances. I'm being as vague as humanly possible because I Grief. think I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to ruin this for anyone, essentially. I do think you're going to, but also it is taken as a piece. Like this first season is the whole of the first game. And I kind of think you have to watch this whole season, all nine episodes of it, and then have a conversation about it because like uh -huh. it is. No. Kay is clearly <laughs> not going to do this. About. But trust me when I tell you, anyone yeah. who sticks with this show will not be disappointed. It is a masterpiece. It is magnificent. John Nugent, it's not just me, John Nugent gave this five stars in Empire, which is no small thing. All right, if Nugent's saying that. And the Nugent said, as yeah, you said, the, the game Nuge... is a masterpiece, the show is a masterpiece. It's just There's a lot of masterpiece incredible. Being flung around. Well, I respect, I respect John. Yeah, more Much than... more than you respect me. That's <laughs> absolutely fine and completely understandable. Yeah, yeah. But I genuinely, this is, this is like incredible. Is a slight case of Andor as well in that, actually, is there going to be show come like the white which is just better oh my god <laughs> you two are Sorry. the absolute worst <laughs> the absolute worst this is you this are is... so but you must acknowledge you are so no. in favour yes. of this okay, but, but, but I would say two things one yes I was in the tank for this of course I was in the tank so for this, much but in also, the tank you're driving the fucking tank I am driving the fucking tank <laughs> but, but, but if anyone was going to viscerally react against this because mm, it is true. taking something that I love so much and wouldn't change a single thing about bear in mind so this game I have played it twice I finished it twice on the PlayStation 3. I finished it twice on the PlayStation 4. I've just finished it again on the PlayStation 5. Oh my I, this God. is my favourite video game of you all nutter. time. We do need to get him on traces, if nothing else, to get him out of the house. Yeah, perhaps. <laughs> but it is nothing to do with the gameplay and all to do with the story. This is all mm. about the narrative. It is all about the story. And it is incredible. And so all I'm saying is, you know, to come to come at my my game that I love and to turn it into a show. Frankly, I could have come for them. I could have taken them out, but I mm -hmm. I'm I'm with them 100 on this. I love this so much, and I'm going to say this as well. <laughs> that finished. Obviously, yeah. I've kind of had to talk in quite vague terms about this. Obviously, we're going to do a spoiler special for this, but we're actually going to do two spoiler specials for this on the Pilot Plus feed. The first is going to go up in two weeks on the 30th of Jan to coincide with the airing of that episode that Boyd has spoken about, episode three, which is magnificent. Uh, and it's going to be a spoiler based on those first three episodes of the show. It will also contend an extended interview where I squeal like a fanboy for 45 minutes oh and showrunners Craig Mazin and Neil Druckmann. <laughs> uh, and then uh, me and Amon and Helen and Nick will break down those first three episodes. We're then going to have another the spoiler why special. I, why am I Wait, does Nick like it? Yes, okay, Nick I'm loves it. Okay, I'm Just because this. I might criticise it. Yes, you're not allowed on. Yeah, you're banned what, from the room. 100% banned. This is the fascist yeah. regime. Yeah. This is, yeah. It's a new fascist regime for <laughs> Pilot Plus. <laughs> yeah, that's the Pilot <laughs> Plus fascist regime. Pi Pilot Plus Z Kyle. Yeah. Plus. <laughs> <laughs> Fine. Well, anyway, so we're going to do another one in time for the finale, which will be in a couple of months' time. We're going to do a deep dive on the entire series there. And obviously, if you want to hear those, become a subscriber to Pilot Plus uh, and you can join the Cool Kids table over emperonline.com slash pilot TV. Okay, you and I can do a spoiler special on Maternal. Yes, you, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and Boyd and Kay will yeah. be doing a spoiler special on Maternal oh, in another room somewhere. <laughs> yes. Uh, Not Luke, Harry. Harry. <laughs> <laughs> Just pick a tread away, whichever yeah. one you want. Yeah. Uh, but yes, it is. It is everything. Wow. It is The Last of Us. So James, you quite liked The Last I of Us. I did, so. I quite liked it. It yeah. is, and it airs today on Monday yes. on Sky and yes. now The Last of Us, the greatest show of 2023. Mm. 
But, but <sighs> that is not all that we are reviewing this week. For we will also be reviewing that 90s show, the follow-on to that 70s show and that 80s show, he said questioningly. Was there an 80s one? Well, it's definitely 70s. That yeah, was the first. Sure, maybe there was an 80s one. one. Yeah. The follow-on maybe. from... Go that on, show. Sorry. Anyway, so that drops on Netflix <laughs> and we are going to review that on Pilot Plus this week. We will also be prying open the bulging Pilot post bag once more and having a big old spoiler chat this time about episode three of Happy Valley, which you oh, won't yeah, want to a, miss. There was a that to show you, right? There you go. Yeah. See, I okay. made the show. Um, but that's not all that was out this week, is it, Boyd? No. There is also IT, new ITV sitcom. <laughs> that's a rare thing. Uh, James very excited because it combines his two yeah, favourite comedy, things, yes. sitcom and ITV. <laughs> but it does star Amanda Abington who we all love who we do oh, like yes. brilliant on this very podcast yes. remember she did the whole show uh, a while ago of Sherlock Miss Savage Fame and she is very very funny in this show which is about four sisters it's, it's very Liverpudlian uh, I won't go into much it's on ITV Tuesday 9.30 I think it's uh, well worth checking out um, Love Island starts today okay I don't know why I'm going to just I'm just going through my list of things uh, Truth Be Told is back yes for third season and it's an anthology show isn't it so you don't need to have seen yeah, Truth Be Told one and two same Octavia Spencer same characters, the true crime podcaster, yeah. but she does a different case yes. each series, yes. I believe. And obviously, she's amazing. So that's just like that's the kind of show that like, it was in any other era, you know, a, a TV yeah. drama starring the brilliant Octavia Spencer, really beautifully made. It would be like a huge, big phenomenon, but it kind of slightly has gone by, um, gone by the wayside, or not? No, gone fallen by the wayside. Fallen by yes. the wayside. Yes. Um, American show Shrill is back on BBC Three on Thursday at ten o'clock. That's the Ad Bryant and Lolly Adafopi show, which is really good. Lolly Adafopi, particularly brilliant. James look at me like I'm not like I'm wrong. Bad Education is back on BBC Three. Mm. The new version without Jack Whitehall. This is the, so Leighton Williams and Charlie Wenham have taken over as the main characters. The I'm main out. Teachers. I'm I out. watched the first episode of you that. Liked, you liked, you, anti-comedy man. Yeah. You were a fan of Bad I liked Bad Education, yeah. but I watched a bit of the reunion special okay. over Christmas and was not impressed. Oh, and okay. I've watched the first episode oh, and right. I, it's very light and laughs for me. Okay, fine. The Sex Lives of College Girls, which is a really good show. Uh, by the way, that's back on ITV X. That was on ITV sounds Two. Like porn. It does yeah, sound I know, like porn. It sounds bad. It sounds dodgy. But it's Mindy Kaling's co-created by oh, Mindy okay. Kaling. Yeah, okay. who's really and it, and it's and it's properly good. It's kind of from the point of view of girls at college and what they have to deal with. Right. Uh, it's really good. That's yeah. So that's gone from ITV. It starts on ITV X on Thursday. In fact, I think the whole new series is on ITV. Mayor of Kingstown. Mayor of Kingstown today on Paramount Plus with poor Jeremy Renner. Any any yep. update on how Jeremy Renner's doing? I, I think he's doing well. Oh, he's okay. been posting pictures, but obviously Great. he got run over by a snowplow, so that's not he fun. Did. So. Yeah, Mayor of Kingston too, which is yet another. That's also in that whole, isn't it? It's from the guy who did um, 1923 and all of that. Taylor Sheridan. Taylor Sheridan. Thank you. Yes, it's another Taylor Sheridan. It's another show. Taylor Sheridan joint. Absolutely incredible. Did anyone? Did you realize, by the way, that Atlanta season four is on Disney Plus? We completely. It was again no. Any, yeah, without any forewarning, it arrived on Disney Plus the other day. So that's on Disney Plus now. If anyone wants to see that, obviously a brilliant show. The last season um, of that is back. The Donald Glover show. I think that may be about it. But um, yes, I think that's it. Oh, it's a lot. It's quite a lot, yeah. Now, at the risk of upsetting myself, what is your pick of the week? You go first, Boyd. Because of episode three, I am going to give it this huge honour to The Lost of Us. (laughs) Yes! Come on, Boydie! I mean, episode three is literally one of the best episodes of TFC. It's a perfect hour of television. It's great. Yeah, Yeah. it's amazing. I'm conflicted here, guys. I'm I'm conflicted between Harry and then supporting the... uh, and supporting Maternal. I'm going to go chemistry of death. Yeah. I mean, you would have been wrong with either one, so it doesn't really matter. Uh, right, fine. Okay, good, 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 good. That's it for Monday's show. If you'd like a second dose of the pilot this week, then do sign up to Pilot Plus at empireonline.com slash pilot TV. And whether you do or don't, 
please do see your way clear to giving us a five-star rating on the podcast platform of your choice. You can find us on the socials at James C. Dyer, at Boyd Hilton, and at Kay Ribeiro. Of course, also at Pilot TV Pod. Uh, next week sees the arrival of Extraordinary on Disney+, Plus, Lockwood & Co. on Netflix, Shrinking on Apple, and Wolfpack on Paramount+. Plus. So we'll be looking at some combination of those. And do join us on Thursday, of course, for our discussion of that 90s show and, uh, and the latest episode of Happy Valley. Until then, pilot out. <laughs>